0: Welcome to the Other Side of Midnight. I'm going to be your host for the night. My name's Keith Morgan, and I'm the discoverer of the Morgan curve on Mars. And I'm also normally Richard's sound engineer and computer tech. But tonight, I'm hosting the show because Rich is in high winds, and his power got knocked out just before we came to air so I had to make some changes and I am stepping in because I said that I was going to do as much as I could to make sure that you guys got a live show every night. Uh, so I'm here, we're going to have a great talk as we're going to talk about this whole thing that's dealing with this, uh, alleged congressional hearing on UFOs or UAPs as they want to call them now. Um, I don't know if you guys know it, but J. Allen Hynek is the one that actually coined the term UFOs and the uh, set up the categories for the close encounters of the first kind, second kind, third kind, fourth kind and fifth kind. Um, But we're going to be talking about how this hearing went. Ooh, I got some stuff to talk about with that. You know, it's like they were talking loud and saying nothing as far as I'm concerned. Now, our our uh, guest for tonight. Daniel Sheenan. Uh, he's a Harvard lawyer, or a graduate lawyer. Uh, he's been involved with some very famous cases like Watergate, United States versus uh, G. Gordon Liddy, uh, and the Karen Silkwood um, incident where these, this corporation company radiated her and exposed her to toxic chemicals and all kinds of stuff and if you ever saw the the uh, movie silkwood um that is the history of how they treat people when you don't know what's going on and they do the stuff behind our backs all the time and they think they can get away with it because they think nobody's looking anyway daniel sheehan is um He's in my hero list, along with Stephen Bassett, which I hope we can get a hold of him in the third hour, because he, he's involved in some things right now. But um, these guys have been fighting for our rights behind the scenes for the longest time, and you guys have no idea. And um, uh, that's why we're going to cover this tonight, so so he can talk about the stuff that you don't know about. We're also going to have Barbara Honig on. And Barbara – uh, she's been up in the upper echelons of um, you know, the presidential um, side of things. Uh, she probably had a higher security clearance than I did, and I had White House clearance and Capitol Gallery pass and DC police pass, but she's been in the uh, upper echelons, so she's got a lot to talk about. And then we have Ron Gerbron, and Ron, he's in my category, hero category, too along with Barbara Um, because people who have put a lot of time and effort in to help get the message out about what has actually been going on and how we've been having the wool pulled over our eyes. And most people like, Oh, that's just, you know, it's just conspiracy theory. No, working at ABC, I got to see a whole lot of stuff that you guys never got to see. And I kept going, why isn't this stuff national? So Let me stop running my mouth because I want to give them as much time to tell their stories and and give us insight into what's going on with this uh, alleged congressional hearing. I think Stephen Bassett's uh, congressional hearing or the um, Stephen Bassett's uh, congressional hearing, the one that they, they put together, which was a trial mock version, I think it did better than these guys did in this one. But, um, okay, I'm going to get straight to the, to the uh, goody-goody stuff here. Now, Richard had some stuff posted. He normally talks about um, he normally talks about Webb, and Webb is a telescope that they put up that's got a really good look at everything, and it kind of supposed to put uh, Hubble to shame. And they've got it calibrated, It's looking good, and is getting ready to really do is look down into the deep shadows of space. Um, and we're definitely going to talk about the congressional hearings. Uh, in if you're looking under Richard's stuff, if you go to the other side of midnight.com and you click on tonight's banner and you go there and click on the fast links for Richard's stuff. Then you'll see the things about web. And there's a link to a congressional hearing that uh, actually Barbara uh, gave to me to put under Richard's stuff. And that's actually C-SPAN that did that uh, because there was a, a YouTube um, playback of it. And I think I like the uh, C-SPAN version of it better. Uh, and then there's um, a section that's uh, in. The fourth item that Richard has where they they took a section out of the congressional hearing and they're talking about the fighter jet where the pilot was shooting a camera out the side of his cockpit and then he tilted forward looking at a 45 degree angle out of his cockpit and then all of a sudden this white dot just shoots by his plane like he's standing still. And I'm pretty sure we were looking forward and not back of the plane because this congressman says, well, the jet was going pretty quick this one way. And this thing was probably sitting still or going slow and the jet passed it. Uh, I don't think that's what they were looking at. Anyway, uh, there's a link for that footage as well. And Rich was going to talk about that because he thought it was – He had some more details. Richard has more details about this hearing because he says they're talking Capitol Hill speak. And in other words, they're talking in some kind of um, political language that the average person will get a headache trying to figure out. Okay. And, And as much as I know, I'm sitting there, and it still sounded like blah blah, blah blah, blah, blah blah, blah. okay, and the things that they asked, we're gonna get into it, but I'm just giving uh trying to go through Richard's items really quick, and then uh item Richard's item number five is their doorway that uh the rover shot. They've come to the conclusion that, oh, no, this is just a natural fracture in the rocks, and it's opened up with this kind of pathway that looks like it leads into this uh, little short plateau here. So don't know. Um, We can't send somebody over there to walk in and look with a flashlight or anything. So we have to kind of take it with a grain of salt and move on. So that's Richard's items, me scooting through them really quickly. But if you click on the items, you can go to the websites, look at the videos, um, and come to your own conclusions.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So let me get into, um, let me get into, um, our first guest, Daniel Sheehan, um, And let me bring him on. Hi, Daniel.
2: Hi. Hi, Keith.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I, I don't like reading the bios because they're right there for everybody to go to when they go to FastLinks and they can read them for themselves. And I want to try to give you guys a lot more time to talk about the things that uh, we need to really talk about. Um, I I attended the uh, observation deck. Where you and Stephen Steven Bassett and the others were uh, talking about the UFOs and things like that, UAPs, whatever you want to call them, and um, I found it was, you know, it was a a nice thing. And now I understand why uh, uh, Zuckerberg wants to change Facebook to Metaverse because these avatars and everything that we were moving around in our little uh, virtual space, um, I think that's where he wants Facebook to go, to that same type of level of uh, people creating their avatars and seeing face-to-face to avatars and talking and so forth. But anyway. Keith,
2: Keith are we going to get to the hearings here? Uh, yeah. This is wandering all over the place here. Uh, okay. I'm, I thought we got here to talk about the hearings.
0: Yeah, we are. My, excuse me. Okay. Uh, Danny, um, what was your take on these hearings? Because I've got a lot to talk about with how these guys handled this whole thing. But what was your take?
2: Well, I think that the, the most important thing to keep in mind is that that there was a hearing at all. That uh, it's been absolutely clear that for for forty years, you know, there's been an absolute refusal on the part of the members of Congress. To give any attention to this at all, uh, and, and so that you know they they're having a public uh, hearing about this was uh, it was a very major step forward to begin with. number one, uh, I think the second major issue to keep in mind is the fact that uh, that Adam Schiff, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, was there, even though this was a subcommittee hearing that was called by Andre Carson. Who was the head of the subcommittee? Uh, that uh, so that's the fact that Schiff was there, uh, who is a very major player in the dynamic that's going on with regard to the Democratic Party and what positions they're going to be taking uh, on issues that relate to intelligence and uh, and public policies, uh, ranging all the way from the January 6th events to the impeachments of, uh, of Trump to this thing that he is a very major national uh a person and so for him to be there at the hearings and to po- be posing questions to the people that were presented is a second very positive thing uh now a third thing to keep in mind is that the fact that this hearing was scheduled and convened on tuesday may 17th what you may have noticed one of the Things that happened during the course of the meeting is that when uh, when Scott Bray, uh, Scott Bray and Ronald Maltrey uh, were the were the only people presented by the by the the executive branch. And Scott Bray is the deputy director of U.S. Naval Intelligence, uh, and uh, Ronald Moultrie is the Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. And the fact of the matter is, neither one of them knew anything at all about u Uaps or UFOs that was clear uh, so the the one of the the major shortfalls of the of the hearing is that the people that were presented on behalf of the government didn't know anything about the basic subject of the of the hearing uh, and so what they did is they spent all of their time over and over again just simply talking about the fact that nothing more was being done by the Defense Department other than agreeing to respond to a, a provision of the National Defense Authorization Act that had been that had been passed by Congress back in December of 2021. and that as of the convening of that hearing, before the convening of the hearing, they, the, the members of Congress had not uh, the the mil- United States military and the Defense Department and the executive branch had not even appointed a director to be the director of the new uh, project that was ordered. Uh, Senator Gillibrand from New York uh, and Senator Rubio uh, from Florida and uh, Congressman Gallego from Arizona all joined together and inserted into the National Defense Authorization Act of, 19, of 2022 that they insisted there be an office open in the United States Defense Department uh, dealing with UFOs. And up to the beginning of the hearing, as of Monday, the the executive branch hadn't even appointed a director, uh, and so that they they made the kind of surprise announcement there on Tuesday that oh by the way, uh, we have appointed you know Sean Kirkpatrick to be the head of uh, this new agency. Now, I because as the audience may know, I I legally represent Lou Elizondo, and Lou Elizondo. Uh, had been the head of the AIP program, the Advanced Aerospace uh, uh, Project, that was to investigate the potential threat qualities of the UFO phenomena, and uh, and Lou Lou uh, has been trying to get people to get appointed to this new committee uh, since December, uh, and the only person that was on the staff of this committee that was ordered by Congress you know, six months ago, basically. Was Lou's assistant in the ATIP program, Matt, uh, and I've talked with Matt at some length. He was extraordinarily frustrated uh, over the fact that nobody in the executive branch was doing anything in response to the to the mandate from Congress to set up this this uh, this office. Uh, and so the 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 third good thing that's happened in this thing, other than the fact that there was such a hearing and the fact that uh, Adam Schiff came to the hearing, who was the chairman of the intelligence committee of the, of the house. The third thing was that it, it forced the appointment of a director uh, of the project. So now there's a director on board. Uh, but that's, that's about all you can say. Uh, and that these, these guys, Scott Bray and Ronald Moultrie, well, extremely intelligent, extremely articulate. All they kept saying over and over and over and over and over again is that this, this agency, this new office, was going to set up a set of standard protocols uh, governing the reporting of contact you know, with any UFOs by any military people. Uh, and they basically didn't know anything more than having done a cursory reading of the, the report that had been filed a year ago. Uh, by the executive branch and the director of national intelligence about the UFO issue. These guys were not read in. They didn't know anything about the issue. Actually, one of the, one of the members of the house asked them what they knew about Roswell. Mm-hmm. And they both looked at each other and almost like they didn't know what they were even talking about. They like, well, mm-hmm. we don't have any information whatsoever about Roswell, <laughs> which sort of puts it in context
0: and one so of them was there for saying I, I, there's
2: nothing I, was being said other than the fact that the, that the, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, office now had a director and that the office was going to be charged with putting together a standard protocol for reporting. That's all that basically came out of the meeting.
0: I, I know that, um, one of the, one of them, they were asked, uh, was there any other projects before Project Blue Book, or any studies before that? And no, after.
2: That, I mean, they said after that. Between, right. when, from the time Blue Book was closed, has there been any activity undertaken by the executive branch to investigate UFOs? Whoever right.
0: Asked he asked. He said after, but he also said, were there any before as well? And all he could say is, uh, we don't have that information. There was Project Sign and Project Grudge before sure. Blue Book. Sure.
2: Though. And sure. I'm
0: like, if you don't know that, then you're in, you're in trouble. You can't see the future if you don't look at the past.
2: Well, it's, it's, not, it's not a matter. It's that, it's that those two men that were there were not really responsible for the program. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're not informed, as I've said. They're, they weren't informed. They didn't know anything about anything. They haven't been briefed in. Uh, the, the real question is, why is it that those were the two people that were put up by the uh, by, the executive branch to respond to the the, the the congressional members' questions, and why is it that the that the committee, the Intelligence Committee, tolerated having somebody sent to their hearing who didn't know anything? You know, and that, that's Daniel? an important question.
0: Uh, Ron, you have Hello? a question? Go ahead, Ron.
2: I
3: have more than a question. Uh, is that, uh, first off,
0: who attended
3: the classified briefing, both uh, this time and the previous time? Was it the same bunch of senators and congresspeople?
2: Well, it was this: the, the people that attended the closed-door uh, uh, classified hearing that followed the Tuesday morning hearing that, came, that convened at 12 o'clock were the same members of Congress that were there in the public meeting.
0: What do okay, you think they have, talked about? There was, there was supposed to talk about stuff that's supposed to be classified about how they collected this data, how they were monitoring these things, but that is classified because they don't want the technology to be known or the procedures of how they do this stuff. Right. That's right.
2: Yeah. There, there were, there were about four or five different, uh, questions that were asked that, uh, that they said that we can't discuss that here in the public hearing. That we, we have to we have to we we have to discuss that in a closed door hearing that will follow. Uh, and there were there were like a three, four or five times they said that, and it almost all had to do with the means by which we were able, uh, the the executive branch was able to detect the existence of UFOs uh, and to confirm that they were real. Uh, and it just it happened over and over again, and that was always the issue that came up. We don't want to disclose the means that we have by means of which we can detect the presence of UFOs. And that was basically every single time that issue came up, they would say, we've got to talk about that in closed session. Now, the fact is, I know how the, what the means are that they have. Lots of people know what the means are that they have. Mm-hmm. It's not as some great secret. Uh, you know. But, but the, bo- the bottom line is that the bottom line to say over and over again is that, that Scott Bray and ronald moultrie were not briefed in did not know anything about the substance of the issues didn't know anything other than what in fact they were that the the uh the new office was charged with doing which is developing a common protocol for military uh reports about contacts with ufos that's all that was said over and over and over again
0: do you know Uh, if anybody else besides those guys uh, attended the, the other part of the briefing. No, I don't replied.
2: believe anybody else did. Those are the only two people that the executive branch sent up over to the Hill
0: to respond. And then to me, that was a waste of time. That was the worst waste of time that you could do with the Congress at that point. If you send people in that don't know the history of this whole phenomenon, you wasted your time. And and there's a whole bunch of stuff they could have talked about that wasn't classified.
2: Well, the the thing that's interesting, the thing that's interesting really is the, the, the fourth thing that was interesting about the hearing was the nature of the questions that were asked by the members of Congress. That it was quite clear that those were questions that are not questions that the executive branch would have wanted put to the people they sent. Uh, those were those were kind of genuine questions that those members of Congress asked. They were things that, that regular intelligent people would want to ask about this. Now, it wasn't all the questions, and it wasn't the most sophisticated questions, but it, it definitely struck me uh, that these were not questions that were planted by the executive branch with those mem- members of Congress, which is often the case, often the case of a public hearing uh, in Washington uh is 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 entirely choreographed and the, the questions are all pre-designed the answers are all pre-designed uh and they're explicitly designed to give the impression that something is being revealed that nothing in fact is being revealed but that isn't what was going on here that there were genuine questions that were being asked by the members uh but there were no answers coming forward from uh, from either scott bray or ronald moultrie they weren't saying anything except that one thing over and over and over again which was what was the charge that was given to this new committee, and you could have told that by simply reading the National Defense Authorization Act that created created the office
1: yeah, yeah. in other
2: words, in other words,
3: they had uh, public questions that had been passed on to their congressman to ask, and instead of the usual dog and pony show, uh, they were faced with that, and they probably knew that was happening you know ahead of time, the executive branch, if you want to bunch things up that way
1: yeah, yeah, they uh,
3: and and they so they were ready for it because those two guys have the clearances necessary to know the answers to those questions no so no, they,
2: no 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 that's not true that's not really true. They those two guys that, that, that one of the things that lou had discovered and chris mellon has discovered and all the time they've spent looking into this is that there are extremely high level cleared people in the in the defense department that don't know anything about this subject, uh, even though you would think they did. Uh, because- Well, that's what I was getting to. I
3: meant they have clearances, but they they have never been briefed on those things right. that they were being asked
2: about. No, they, they, there was no danger that either one of them was going to answer a question that was a genuine question from the congressman, several of the questions of which were genuine questions. There wasn't any danger that they were gonna answer that and give up information because they didn't have the slightest idea. They, they didn't, they, again, I said they didn't even know anything about Roswell. Not a thing about well, Roswell.
0: Well, Daniel. Was, are, are you,
2: of,
4: can I be was, heard? It's Bob. Pardon? Can I be heard?
0: Sure, yes, yes sir, we can hear you.
4: Yeah, I'd just like to, uh, to give a perfect example of what Danny just said. Um, people assume that if you've got a top secret code clearance that you're uh, able to be read into this whole area. And that's absolutely not true. There was a perfect example in the hearing itself by Representative Gallagher. uh, He's a Republican from Illinois, as I recall. Anyway, Representative Gallagher, um, he asked a very important question. He asked both of the witnesses um, with their high-level clearances, right, um, if they were aware of something called the Admiral Wilson Memo, which is also called the EW Notes Memo. EW stands for Electronic Warfare okay and electronic warfare is about basically spoofing uh an enemy um to make your ship or your aircraft your fighter jet whatever appear to be something it isn't on your adversary or enemy's radar uh, or even uh sometimes in their cameras and that's what electronic warfare is about well He asked if either of them, either of the witnesses with their high-level clearances, knew about the Admiral Wilson E.W. Notes memo. And they both said that they didn't. Uh, And then, interestingly, Representative Gallagher, um, and he can be thanked for that, he held it up. And he said, uh, without objection, um, uh, Mr. Chairman, I would like to, uh, you know, submit this for the record." And I expected one of those two witnesses to object, but they didn't. So it's in the the record. And it turns out that this Admiral Wilson E.W. Notes memo is the gist of it, is that the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency himself, without saying which one, because I haven't read the memo, maybe Danny has read it, but I haven't been able to get it yet. But that the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, which is over all of the individual military uh, services uh, intelligence uh, service uh, departments, um, was denied access to this very uh, level of classification. The head of DIA. okay, That's right. right. Wow. (laughs) And not only that, but shortly before he was assassinated, President Kennedy was uh, trying to get... um, uh, to get briefed on all of this, and he was denied. He was denied in writing by the head of the CIA,
2: yeah, just, just as President Carter was by sure. by, uh, by Bush when he right. was the director of Central Intelligence. They flat, so that the, the to send to send to the hearing two guys who had very high levels of classification to give the impression that there were really men of substance and knowledge that were being presented. It was a complete uh, fraud. You know, these guys didn't know anything. They and, and I believe they genuinely didn't know about about the the Admiral Wilson memo. Uh, they did. I think that it was a classic sending witnesses up who don't know anything, so they can't divulge anything.
4: Exactly. Even in classified section, they wouldn't yes. divulge anything
2: yeah, they, of importance. They clearly didn't know anything about the subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay guys, we're uh, we're kind of approaching uh, the bottom of the hour break. Um when we come back, uh I, I like to talk about some of the things that um that we should we know about, but I, I obviously they didn't know about it. If they didn't know about Roswell, they probably didn't know about the other things that we're gonna bring up. But um yeah, they were talking loud and saying nothing as far as I was concerned. They they didn't know what they were talking about. Uh, some of the good questions that were asked by a couple of the congressmen that I said that, you know, they got their stuff together. And these guys just dropped the ball because they're the patsies. They were supposed to take the fall. They didn't know what was going on. Um,
4: you know, Keith, when we come back from the break, I really mm-hmm. think you will let your guests speak to the subject of tonight first, okay. which is hearing, because I haven't been able to give but I'd like to and I
0: know Danny wants probably wants to okay. mention yeah. You know. All right. So when we come back, um, since Barb didn't talk too much, um, we'll we'll start with you, Barb, okay? Yeah. All right. Okay. So you're listening to the other side of midnight. Um, my guests tonight are Danny Sheehan, uh Barbara Honegger and uh Ron Gerbron. And we'll be right back after this break.
5: It's funny because I think you know, I went through my crazy phase where I made mistakes before the internet and before social media and before any of this. Whereas now you can't do that. There's no such thing. So you're saying about black and white, and what it does is it stops people expressing themselves. People are too frightened. It's like you know, I want to say something, but what if I use the wrong term? But I remember a story a couple of years ago where Benedict Cumberbatch, who at the time was a darling in the media's eyes, was complaining about the disparity between the treatment of um, black actors and of white actors. And and he was sticking up and saying, you know, they're not getting paid as well. They're not getting the jobs that they should be getting. And there being, there is no equality. But what he said was, there isn't equality for colored actors. Well, you said colored there, Benedict, you can't do that. And so they went to him and he was vilified and he had to come out and do a big apology. Now what it was, it was, It was a slip of the tongue he's obviously not racist he's actively trying to say that there is discrimination and he's trying to stick up for that community but he was vilified and attacked and that's what happens now and so when people make their mistakes now they make their mistakes on the internet they make their mistakes on social media where they're screenshotted forever and so I think that's all part of the conditioning, that people are frightened. You know, if you're in a position where I don't know what to say, I don't know what to say, in the end, you'll go, well, I won't say anything then. The fallout of this is going to be extraordinary with that because people don't realise, you know, when you, 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 you're phoning up the police and grasping on your neighbours and when all this ends, they're still going to be your neighbours and you're still going to have to live next door to them. And good luck with that. Hello, everyone. My name is Gareth Ike. It's been a pleasure to talk on the other side of the news. Fantastic conversation with Kinthea, Timothy, and Annetta. And I wish you all the best with a fantastic podcast.
0: And welcome back to the other side of Midnight. Um, We kind of left off with uh, Daniel, and Barbara was giving us some interesting information. So, uh, Barbara, um, would you like to pick up where you left off?
4: Okay. Um, Can I be heard still?
0: Yeah, you're on. Okay.
4: I never know if I'm (laughs) muted or not because I don't think I'm able to unmute myself. Okay, so what I'd like to do is very quickly go over my items. So, um, for anybody who's not familiar with the system here, um, you go to the... Show page for tonight, the other side of midnight, and then not very far down. Well, let's see. Um, yeah, right, right under um, where it says, uh, you know, how to how to listen to the show. Then it says fast links, and under fast links, if you click on my name, Barbara, and then that will go directly. That'll automatically scroll down to where I'm going to start. Um, I want to go to number two first, because one of the big takeaways from this uh, hearing on Tuesday last Tuesday for me was the fact that it was revealed that this new office is under the direction of the Navy. Now, I think that's very important mm-hmm. um, because these um, I work for the Navy, as you may remember, this is in my bio um, Scroll down further in my items, and you'll see my bio. I was a senior military affairs journalist at the Naval Postgraduate School for 16 years. And um, this is the Naval Postgraduate School. is a very interesting institution. It's here in Monterey, California. And it is uh, built by the Defense Department itself as uh, the... Premier Science, Technology, and National Security Affairs Graduate Research University of the Pentagon of the Department of Defense. I was a senior military affairs journalist there. So for 16 years, I interacted with very, very, very high-level people in the, not only the Navy um, but mid-career uh, officers as well as the IPs who came all the way from. I've interviewed the director, of National, the director of naval intelligence. I interviewed General Eberhardt, who was head of NORAD on 9/11 and after, before on and after 9/11, and um, the Secretary of Defense, the Secretary of the Navy, etc. So um, I, have, I have this background, based upon which I'm about to tell you this. So um, one of the things that really um, kind of surprised me. Uh, pleasantly, actually, was that this new office is going to be under the Navy, uh, the direction of the Navy. And um, that's probably partially because the leaks to the New York Times back in, what was it, 2017, wasn't it?
2: 2017. Uh, 2017. Yep. Uh, yeah.
4: Yeah. Those were, those were leaks by the Navy or uh, to the New York Times, those videos. Um, of the TikTok and, and such so and then it was also revealed in the hearings on last Tuesday that the Navy has had its own UAP office since 2020 so this is 2022 um, and now um, the new office that is DOD wide under I also found this interesting um, directly under the office of the Secretary of Defense uh, is headed by the Navy. Okay, that's number one. Um, The other big take, the second big takeaway for me was the fact that both of the witnesses, with their high-level clearances, both of the witnesses were asked explicitly uh, if they had anything in their database about the critical Maelstrom Air Force Base uh, example of a glowing red orb uh, over the maelstrom air force base uh, over 10 missile silos icbm missile silos um, and this was during the cold war and um and they said no no we don't have anything about that in our in our database well i find that fascinating because that's basically an air force slash marine operation Marines are technically part of the Navy in peacetime, although they like to think of themselves as separate from the Navy. They're not not really. Um, But I found that fascinating that this new office is being headed by the Navy, but we're told that they don't have any information in their database that they're aware of anyway, these two witnesses, um, about the most critical uh, information Uh, of um, genuine apparent threats um, to our national security. Um, So number two in my items is a book that every single person on the planet should read. It's called UFOs and Nukes, Extraordinary Encounters at U.S. and Foreign Nuclear Weapon Sites. Um, and it's by Robert Hastings, who's the world's foremost researcher on the subject of UFO activity at nuclear weapon sites. Okay. And this book, I have it in my hand. This book is over 550 pages long. I have read this book and every single page of this book should have been being discussed in these hearings. And yet we're told that Every single thing in this book, effectively, is not part of, and probably won't be part of, the database of this navy-headed new office. I find that shocking, frankly. Barbara. Yeah.
3: Barbara. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Twenty seconds here. Uh, The uh, it's there was an article posted just today on space.com. It was just a few hours ago, so it was you know it was couldn't end up on the on the show page but it was a it was a rundown about the hearings and they have a nice still photograph which everybody asked for of that hypersonic uh uap that went sipping by a plane so that you can see what it actually looks like and it was like a sphere but the um yeah the uh the point is they had uh they mentioned the maelstrom thing and they said the alleged and uh meddling with i forget the phrasing uh with,
1: tampering uh, with bi- tam-
3: tampering with missiles yeah and uh i thought okay they're they're mutating the narrative slightly here because people noticed that they wouldn't uh they claimed to not know anything about it at the hearings so and i was saying alleged so anyway go well, back to
4: what you're say saying i think it's nobody relevant thinks about it. no they said that it wasn't in their database
0: right and mm-hmm. uh, barbara da- daniel are either one of you familiar that the Navy filed a patent for an electropropulsion system that lets you fly thousands of miles an hour, not only through the air but under the water, and make 90-degree right-angle turns at full speed because it negates inertia. Are you familiar with that?
4: Yeah. When was that?
0: That that they patented that like back in 2018 and 2019, and mm-hmm. that's when they hold they let the cat out the bag about oh yeah these videos are real. Because when they got anonymously released, they nobody said anything until suddenly the Navy comes up years later and goes, Oh yeah, by the way, here's the real videos and yes, they are real. Right. And, and they filed right. a patent for this electrical propulsion system that negates inertia. And and that's why well, they're in discharge of all of this because and not the air force but it's the Navy that's filing this patent. The, the, the Denny, military. Danny,
4: mil- are you aware of that
2: patent? Denny? No, it, it seems a little bizarre to me. I mean, the navy, the, the navy isn't going to seek a public patent for a classified uh, technology
6: oh, like it's that. It's out there. Well, the the
3: military and the triple uh, uh, the alphabet agencies can actually file for patents with looser restrictions than we get you know if you go to file a patent on your thing you have to be able to demonstrate that it conceivably works and stuff and they don't have to do that they can do preemptive patents so sometimes you some of the stuff might even be phony like they put they they issue a they get a patent issued for something that actually doesn't work or is you know very theoretical just so that the their adversaries will say holy cow they got something like this and they'll waste a lot of time and resources on it. So it's that's yeah you it, you got to be careful with that. The patent office has different rules for the government agencies than for the
0: civilians. Yeah, well mm-hmm. we we don't we don't know, but there is a patent number and it does exist. Mm-hmm. And they're using microwaves in a a capture tuned channel around the outside of a triangular craft to to generate this kind of uh, electro gravitics or propulsion system so but do you
4: have um keith do you have that patent could you post it on I,
0: you can you can you can google it and just look say navy's ufo patent and you'll you'll find it and you can go to the patent office and it's got the patent number and everything right there well,
4: I'm, I'm requesting that seeing as you've already done this yeah. um could you put it up on uh under richard's items or your items later on this show
0: Uh, yeah, I think I could do that. I can, I can put a link. Okay. So,
4: so let me just go to, and then I'm going to turn turn it back over to Danny and and everybody else. But, um, the, the other major thing I wanted to mention out of the box is number one in my items. (laughs) And this is a book called UFOs, Miss Conspiracies and Realities that I also highly recommend. Um, it's kind of the, It's kind of the antithesis of the UFOs and Nukes. The UFOs and Nukes book is the more important one by far. But the UFOs, Myths, Conspiracies, and Realities, it's by John Alexander. He's Dr. John Alexander, who is basically, quote, the father, if you will, of so-called non-lethal weapons uh, research and development in the Pentagon. And interestingly, this is someone that I know personally. Because when I was in the White House, I had just received the world's first and the United States first ever, fully WASP accredited graduate degree in consciousness studies and experimental parapsychology. Uh, that was from John F. Kennedy University, which was, it feels like a, you know, completely different uh, incarnation within the single lifetime of mine, um, because I was, as I was literally finishing my coursework at John F. Kennedy University in orinda California, in the East Bay, East, uh, San Francisco Bay, I was picked up and dropped in the West Wing of the White House. And, you know, my life has changed ever since. But I I do have that first ever, worldwide first ever degree. And so I ended up in the West Wing of the White House right over the Oval Office with this first ever accredited graduate degree in consciousness studies and experimental parapsychology. And so I was brought to the attention of John Alexander, who brought me out, took me out to lunch or dinner. I can't remember what it was. Um, and also um, invited me to a number of parties uh, at night and that kind of thing. anyways, somebody I know. And basically his book is saying what Danny said and what I agreed with Danny earlier on in the show. And that is that effectively nobody that you can name is cleared to know about this stuff. Not really. Not even the President of the United States. Um, And uh, so that's the gist of his book, but I want to read you this one section that jumped out at me like a waving red flag. And I'm just going to read these two paragraphs because I want to remind you that a number of people who I think are very wise um, in this field are saying, as um, in fact, a week ago on Richard's show here, His first guest on the show, and they were talking about what they expected to happen at the hearings two, you know, three days later. Um, So this is last Saturday. Um, His first guest, whose name I, I'm sorry, I don't remember, but his first guest was a uh, a, a professor, and um, his first guest focused on the relationship between what consciousness really is. And the so-called UFO, UAP, uh, bright orb, O-R-B, uh, ball lightning uh, experiences that people have. Okay, so given that, I'm going to read you, I'm going to remind you also of Whitley Striver's latest book. I can't remember the um, – I'm going to get it off of Amazon and send it wait, to you. Wait,
3: wait, I'm confused. You're you're introducing and uh, talking up one book that you've got a picture of, but you're going to read something from Whitley's book, which isn't here. No,
4: no, no. No, I'm going Whit- to read something in a moment from my number one book. I'm just reminding well, well. you of context before I read the par- the two paragraphs that Whitley Stryber's latest book is on the connection between death near-death experiences and UFO experiences okay so now I'm going to read you from John Alexander's book and this is mind-blowing okay some pages 35 and 36 this is John Alexander only once in all of the dozens of briefings that I gave John Alexander gave did I get ever get a negative response in all other situations, general interest was shown, and what he's referring to is the book is, is about all of the briefings that he gave as to what he knew about UAP UFO experiences, you know, bright orb experiences, etc., to the highest levels in the intelligence community in the military, in the United States and overseas. So he says, only once did I get a negative response. In all other situations, general interest, by these extremely high-level people with very high-level clearances was shown, along with some reasonable skepticism by some was stated. However, over time, there was more and more evidence that no formal UFA program currently existed. Now, that's his bottom line, and I know, or I believe very strongly that that is a lot. Nevertheless, this is the bottom line of John Alexander's book, that there's no formal UFO program program in our military and intelligence community, that it's someplace else, okay? On this one occasion continuing, things turned really ugly. After I briefed briefed General Max Thurman, who at the time was the Vice Chief of Staff of the Army, the number two four-star position in the United States Army, he asked me to address the board on Army Science and Technology, known as BAST, B-A-S-T, study group, that was examining the Army's use of space. Heading the committee was a man by the name of Dr. Walt Laberge, an eminent scientist who had previously served as principal undersecretary of defense for research and engineering, also as undersecretary of the Army, also as assistant secretary of the Air Force, and was then, at the time, vice president of Lockheed Martin. Among his many accomplishments, and this is pretty amazing, LaBerge was the co-inventor of the Sidewinder Air-to-Air missile and had led the team that built NASA Mission Control Center. His distinguished career had brought him in close contact with many advanced developments in the U.S. space program and the UFO-UAP area of investigation. Attending this vast meeting were 10 scientists along with Dr. LaBerge. I'm almost done here. For about an hour, I, meaning John Alexander, ran through my usual briefing, informing them that the universe was probably not built the way they thought it was, and that UFOs, UAPs deserve serious attention and consideration. As I concluded, LeBerge asked the other members, scientists in the group, if they had any questions or comments for me. There were a few pretty good questions from the attendees who seemed very interested in what I had been saying. And then the most amazing thing I have ever witnessed in any scientific meeting I have ever attended took place. Suddenly livid, LeBaire slammed his hand down on the table and began screaming at me. His first comment was, quote, and this is the punchline, you're not supposed to know about that. That's what you learn when you die, unquote. Okay. so oh, I see
3: why you connected it with Whitley.
4: Yes, that's why yeah. I mentioned Whitley. Um, I think that there is a connection, and I do recommend people reading Whitley Schreiber's most recent book, and I will um, get that on Amazon and send it to you, Keith, to add to my items. Okay. So those are the main things I wanted to mention so far.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, I, I put in the uh, Skype chat. A, a link that i'm going to put, i'm putting up under richard's stuff right now and it, it's the forbes um, uh, website and it's it talks about the patent and the other patent there's a second patent for the fusion energy source that they plan to use to, to power this this craft so um, okay
4: thank you for doing that yeah um i think isn't it the case that people need to refresh the show page for tonight in order to see
0: that right yeah well i'll i'll set it to automatically refresh their page the the uh their oh, browsers okay. when i uh post it but uh okay. i i thought most people would have known by now that that patent was filed because uh w- when they released those videos and then shortly thereafter uh was his name salvador payas i think it's right he's he's the one that filed the patent and they said that the patent office was going to reject it until one of his naval superiors stepped in and said, "File, uh, grant the patent, we have a working prototype. Uh, huh. And that's what kicked this whole thing off. Uh, and I think the Navy is coming forward, and they want this technology, but they can't bring it out unless they ex- explain where it came from or how they came up with it. Um, Colonel Philip Corso, when he... When he wrote the day the book, uh, the day after Roswell, the book the day after Roswell, it he explains that it was his job at the Pentagon to disseminate the technology from the crash at Roswell into our society, and I always wondered how we jumped over the vacuum tube era, because we should have been in the vacuum tube era for quite a while longer before we jumped into solid state, and when um, when Bell Labs filed their patent for the transistor, the first solid state device. Uh, the patent office was going to reject it because they said this thing won't work without a heated cathode. That's vacuum tube technology, a heated cathode. Mm-hmm. They couldn't understand the technology behind it. And in, in the case of uh, this electrogravitic pro- uh, propulsion system, it's the same thing. They don't understand something that they didn't know about or were trained on. So um, I think in order for us to move into the next generation of technologies, these guys have to get up off the, the know on uh, where they came up with this knowledge from. And we've known for the longest time that the whole thing with Roswell's been, uh, they've been lying through the teeth about it. Um, Jesse Marcel, the first man on the scene or military man on the scene, when he became older, he did uh, an interview with Stanton Friedman, and he said, you know, it was a cover-up. And that the, tech, the technology and the materials that they picked up was not of this earth. I uh, and everything he described. His son even saw it when he was younger, and as he got older, he told his, his story. Um, it, it's it's the kind of stuff that goes on that they don't want us to know about. But well, you know, isn't
1: that
3: what the hearing was about? I mean, we're getting a little off. Uh, well, track here because the idea was that they, yeah, the the hearing was at least a hearing, and yeah. people have been and people have ended up. The general public uh, has kind of shook their heads and and muttered over this UAP obsession because nobody's going to stop saying UFOs. But um, I just wanted to. Richard had something he wanted to insert here because he decided that it was as important as the um, hearing itself, and that's why he has the image on his items of the um, his number five the surprise it's official the Mars doorway is not a door everybody's heard that story last week and he's got a very nice picture of it there uh, and I actually saw one of the other articles about it that uh, if you look at that if you look at the picture just as, as a small size blow it up if you want the, um, on the left uh, there's what looks like a hole that's kind of structured, and on the right there's this nice little doorway, and in between them is what looks like a building. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not uh, it's not Bauhaus, but it's you know it, it looks structured. And the thing is, half the pictures I have seen referencing the doorway story have shown the thing on, to the left, which is a crack in the rocks, defined doorway on the right side. So they're running a little scared on that and it's uh it's interesting that the um that the story's out there at all i think uh about about could that we, and
4: this is we go p- back to the hearings i'd like to hear from danny about what he knows about sean kirkpatrick that's idea sure
2: yeah well, well sean sean uh, sean is an interesting guy uh sean is a physicist uh who's in put in charge of the program He's worked for uh, almost every division of the military, uh, including the U.S. Space Command. He's, he's a graduate of the University of Georgia, uh, where he did his undergraduate and postgraduate work and did his, uh, his uh, additional postgraduate work at the University of Illinois. Uh, the, interestingly, he has studied uh, a huge range of things in his, in his postgraduate uh, studies. Uh, it, while he's been working for the National Reconnaissance Office and, and others, in, in including the, extremely interesting, the, the study of the tissue of the brain of adders, a particular kind of snake that can perceive uh, heat signatures uh can see in the night uh with infrared uh detection uh it's, it's uh, I thought that to be a really interesting uh, element of his PhD work uh and here he is now the the head of the uh the, the new task force uh in the Office of Naval Intelligence uh, that's been demanded by the Congress uh That's it, very it, interesting Danny. That's I know. really
4: interesting because I know. uh because in the hearing, we were told that um, the triangular, apparent triangular shape uh, in, uh, was because of the processing through uh, the night vision goggles. That's right. Well, That's what, what, exactly.
0: this, what they're trying to say is that the single lens reflex camera, the SLR, the lens, the iris makes that shape of a triangle when it irises down. But the mm-hmm. thing is is that if the night vision was that bright that you had to Irish your lens down that small to make that little small triangular opening to reduce the circles of confusion to make it sharper, and then then you'd go blind if you were putting those glasses on, uh, night vision goggles on. So I don't think that's what that is. I think that's just an excuse to explain what that is because the stars should have been – Virtually triangular shape as well, so ah. it's it's a. Well, were
4: there were, but I didn't see any stars in those uh,
0: videos. I did, but they're small. You- they were smaller. There were some that were a little bigger, but y- you'd have to have a bright light, and in order for it to make that single triangular shape. But there was more than one triangular shape, and to get two triangular shapes from different angles of lighting, through through the iris like that that's uh-huh. not that's not possible but it's it's an excuse that they threw out um i've seen other videos where yeah you've seen the irises um creating okay, so a they, reflection they like that you were trying
4: to kind of uh, uh, shrug this off as an artifact and
0: yeah and you don't think it works. i don't mm-hmm. i don't buy it don't buy it well anything that's round
3: you can claim as an energy ball or ball lightning or uh something like that but something that's triangular <laughs> has geometry and it's good it's you have to you have to come up with
0: some i'm gonna have to interrupt you uh we're we're at break time so um when we come back we're going to pick up where we left off and hopefully uh everybody's enjoying the show so we'll be right back after this break
7: Richard C. Hoagland and an array of fascinating guests as we explore real-world topics and events through the lens of hyper-dimensional physics. Join Club 19.5 to gain access to hundreds of archived shows. Only $9.95 per month. Listen in each Saturday and Sunday to the most compelling and thoughtful broadcasts heard in over 160 countries around the world. Real research. Real data. Real science. The other side of midnight.com.
2: Hyperdimensional One thing You'll find is essential Is our club
1: 19.5
2: It's a hyperdimensional Storage case A treasure trove Of outer space Our club 19.5
1: data we've
2: accumulated. The final
1: titled and collated.
2: Why don't you just drop on by and
8: give our club
2: a
1: try? If you're in the hyperdimensional, you'll find our credentials are fine.
0: Of and welcome back to The Other Side of Midnight. We're going to pick up where we left off. Uh, we're having a great conversation right now. Um, what did we leave off? The Eve? Yeah.
4: yeah. Would it be possible, I realize that um, Richard Hogan can't go on Skype, I suppose, but couldn't he join us by phone?
0: Um, Richard's phone is, uh, a cordless setup and, uh, it's likely that the battery would run down before he actually, um, could contribute to the show, but, uh, (laughs) um, I told him he should have a hard line, but, um, he's working. Well, I
4: think, you know, with all of his expertise, I'd like to ask Danny Sheehan, um, if, you know, if he I'm sure you've thought about this quite a bit. Um, Danny, if you were designing um, the investigation the way it should be, um, how would you design it? Who would be in charge of it? And um, just tell us what you've thought about that, if you have.
2: Uh, well, actually, I've had a number of discussions about this, because uh, because it, it turns out that uh Lou Elizondo, whom I represent, uh, is in fact the principal advisor on UFOs to the u s space Command uh, mm-hmm. and one of the tasks that they have is trying to figure out how to uh, assemble uh, various task forces to look into specific uh, pieces of this uh, this whole phenomenon uh, so i've I've had actual direct conversations about this very subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I've pointed out is that it's absolutely essential to not allow the only source of investigating this phenomenon to be inside the United States military, right. uh, because it completely uh, skewers the analysis uh, of this phenomenon. Uh, there, there are, it, it, this is a consequence of the United States being a national security state. Uh, you know, since the passage of the National Security Act of 1947, uh, and even though the total rationale for the the creation of the National Security Act of 1947, uh, which went on to create the Central Intelligence Agency and later the NSA, etc., was ostensibly to uh, forestall the Soviet Union from taking over the world, uh, allegedly, uh, with the dissolution of the uh, of the Soviet Union on December 31st of 1991. With the official signing of the resolution on the part of President Gorbachev releasing all of the republics, there wasn't the slightest uh, uh, flicker of attempt to stop the Central Intelligence Agency uh, and NSA and these other agencies from continuing. uh, And rather than even consider disbanding them, uh, what they did is they, they determined that they had to be increased in their funding. So that they, they could establish full-spectrum dominance over the whole planet. Uh, and then we know that that's what they did in the 1992 United States Defense Department of Policy Planning Guidance Document. It was created out of the Defense Department uh, under then-Secretary of State Dick Cheney. So we, the, the very first thing I would say is that you, we have to take this out from under the exclusive control of the United States military. Yeah. And
4: by the way, I just one one quick comment before you continue because yeah. it's really relevant came out of the hearing, and it was another shocker, uh, and that was that um, one of the members of Congress on the subcommittee, um, I found it interesting it was subcommittee on counterterrorism, counterintelligence, and counter
2: proliferation.
4: Yeah. Yeah, counter counter proliferation, but counter-terrorism included. all yeah. uh, This subcommittee, um, but. Uh, One of the members on the subcommittee asked the two witnesses, with all of their high-level clearances, um, if they either had in their database or planned to have in their database um, any data on UFOs, UAPs, orbs, whatever, outside of the military and presumably also intelligence community, i.e. the general public, um, and they said no, Right. and Specifically. specifically... they said, um, I believe it was Moultrie, but one of the two of them said, no, um, our protocols um, are going only to allow into our database the, quote, data that we control. And therefore, no, not outside.
2: Well, there's Why a, is that strange? Well, there's, there's an additional thing that happened in that conversation. And they were saying, in fact, they ought to start considering how to criminalize any in or declare unlawful any false information that is being promulgated about the issue of ufo's uh, they actually discussed that
4: yeah really, i missed that danny what, who, i missed that are you
2: here oh, oh absolutely did yeah they absolutely did uh the the uh the, the i think i think it was uh, ronald moultrie saying, you know, that there's a problem with the people providing information outside of military channels, uh, and that uh, a lot of this information, w- without them having any basis for knowing one way or another, since they were completely ignorant of the subject, uh, that, you know, information was being conveyed that was false uh, about this, and that some steps ought to be considered by Congress to take steps to outlaw this kind of uh, this kind of public statements about the about the issue.
4: That was right. A- well, I do remember there was a question by a Republican uh, representative that basically set him up for that answer,
2: yeah. um,
4: because the question presumed that there was a you know national security problem with with normal citizens, uh, you know, maybe saying something that wasn't. The
2: of it, like, you you know, know, I mean, Rick Rick Crawford, who was the Republican from Arkansas, you know, Rick very clearly had just a hardcore right wing, closed minded attitude about this whole thing, uh, and and the, it was that kind of discussion and that kind of consciousness that yeah. that was reflective of this. But,
3: but what is a right wing, closed minded consciousness? <laughs>
2: it's pretty but What the
3: hell are you talking about? Yes. It's, uh, I, this is beyond politics. I'm it's going to play devil's advocate here for a second.
2: It's not, politics. it's not beyond politics. I've been at this for 50 years, and I know it's not beyond politics.
3: You know, there's,
2: a, there's an entire fascist element here that is intending to capture this technology and put it at the disposal of major corporations so that they can... They establish. already
3: did that. They already it's, did that. That's where that's most of the secrets right. are held. You know that as well as I do.
2: Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Is that this is a hardcore right wing uh, alliance between corporations and the instrumentalities of the state? That's what corporate. That's what fascism is. And that. So what is- would the left
3: wing alliance be
2: in contrast?
3: I, this is what I meant. Uh, what would a left wing alliance be in contrast to that? What are you proposing would be a better choice?
2: I'm, I'm not proposing that there's a better choice. I'm just saying that clearly. You don't want to have this issue dominated by right-wing fascist thinking, uh, and that's the problem. Uh, you know, to to think that the only the only reason that we want to be investigating this whole thing is to try to transform the technology into a weapon system. You know, that's that's for the purpose of establishing full, quote full spectrum dominance over the planet. That's that's what's going on here. Uh, How do you know that? I, How do I know that? Because yeah, I really wait.
3: The, okay, no, go ahead. Finish your finish I, your thought. but I gotta point the, to this.
2: I read the nineteen ninety two United States Defense Department of Policy Planning Guidance Document. That's the actual terminology that they use.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and so that so that what I'm saying is that this the investigation of this particular phenomenon has to be opened up so that it's not just the military that is examining this and holding the information close and working with major corporations to transfer the technology to them to try to use it to develop weapon systems for the military.
4: How do you achieve that? What do you do
2: to achieve that? You have to have the State Department involved in this. You have to have the Justice Department involved in this. You have to have other branches of government Uh, involved in this and you need to have the academy you need to have universities how does
3: giving more parts of the government a piece of the action open it up to the public i'm confused and i I do have a point behind this i'm just letting you i'm just letting you untangle your own statement
2: no no you heard what i said is also you have to have universities involved in this you have to have
3: they're the the same thing they're more closed-minded than the military is Uh,
2: well there there need to be there needs to be public participation in the examination of this particular subject, and it cannot yes. be confined not only to within the government, but within the executive branch. Because as you've noticed, the, the Congress of the United States, this is the first hearing they've had in decades that they're, they don't seem to be engaged in evaluating this entire phenomenon yet. That's why this hearing is so important. Because if you leave it inside the executive branch, and the executive branch chooses to leave it inside the military, you're going to get this constant uh, uh, myopic vision of what this is all about. The, the old Sufi saying is that when a pickpocket meets a saint, all he sees are his pockets. <laughs> and so that when the military, sure. the military is the only one investigating this particular phenomenon, and they're actually suggesting, potentially criminalizing, you know, other people being involved in this, in making comments about it, uh, because it's somehow dangerous to the national security. Uh, this is a, this is a, a serious problem. So what we need to do is we need to open up. We need to have task forces <clears throat> involved in looking at this. Uh, there's there's spiritual questions about this. There's religious questions about this. There's philosophical questions about this. These these are not the strength of the military.
3: Yeah, well, this is still an expansion of the basic old saying, somebody ought to do something. I mean, let me let me give the, the point, that I, point that I've got buried in here is that uh, this stuff, and by this stuff, I mean any sort of alien technology, requires two things. One, you have to acknowledge that there is such a thing as alien technology, i.e. not based on our parameters of science. And two, it's as simple as fire. In its own terms, meaning that you can't give away or reveal or develop one little piece of it without giving all of it away. It's all interlocked. It's a it's a whole different sort of physics. And by doing uh, that's why they hide it all because they can't. I mean, you can kick out little pieces, like you know, little little things that aren't really relevant, you know, Velcro, transistors, uh, fiber optics. You know, these are things they were able to pry out of there. But if the basic physics, which has to go into, you have to go into if you're going to do propulsion systems and so forth, is offered to everyone, yes, all the governments are going to try and build weapons. And yes, people are going to misuse it horribly, and that's why they sit on it. I'm not saying I approve of that. I'm just saying that more committees, just like more hearings, won't help it. You need to have, it, you need to have another, another weight balancing the beam.
0: Well, Ron is and- kind of right about this. When you, when you have a technology like this, uh, you can't give out little snippets of it because you're going to miss something. Um, ben Rich, the head of Lockheed Skunk Works, he said that there was a flaw in the math, but they figured it out. And uh, Bob yep. Lazar said at, the, at a point in time, the Russians who were on uh, working on these projects, they were suddenly kicked off and, and let go because he said they figured something out. He didn't know what it was. But listening to John, uh, James Goodall, he said that um, you know, these guys had come up. Uh, ben Rich said they'd figured out the math. And now they had the propulsion system that was 50 light years be- beyond anything we can imagine and that we can travel amongst the stars. And Ben Rich is telling jo- uh, James Goodall all of this on his deathbed, okay? So we have the technology, but if you figure out the math, that's the key. And that's what Lockheed Skunk Works did, and that's why we have the TR3B and a whole bunch of other things that can do the stuff that they do but we are not privy to that because we're not supposed to know about this stuff. Okay.
3: Right. They have developed some of the technology, but they have to do it. They have to keep it clandestine. So you won't even know that that F 18 going overhead has a black box in it. that can do magical things. If they think they can get away with it with nobody noticing.
2: So, well, all, all, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is this, is that, that, you know, the, the fundamental, one of the fundamental challenges that we have in dealing with the issue of the UFO phenomenon uh, is that the the logical conclusion uh, that most people have come to that are doing the close examination of this is that this represents a technology from an extraterrestrial civilization. Uh, and that the relationship between us and the members of the extraterrestrial civilization is a matter to be determined by a lot more than just our military. That there's, there's all of our other institutions as a human family need to be involved in trying to determine what our relationship is going to be with these other beings. Now, now there, I agree with you. To Try to take their technology and turn it into a weapon so that we can, you know, one or another of our nation states can subjugate, subjugate the others. You know, this is something that we really, this is an extraordinarily important time period for our human family. We're going to be determining the nature of our relationship with an extraterrestrial civilization that's going to affect us for thousands of years here and to be so myopic that we're just kind of talking in terms of let's keep it in the military and let's keep it secret because we can't let other people know about it. You know, I mean, this is extraordinarily dangerous uh and well, that's that the stuff we see. already have that's what are they're it?
3: hiding i said that's the stuff we already have that's that's what they're hiding and the thing that needs to change is the recognition that there are others out there and that they might as well come down and talk to us because we're not going anywhere uh they're
4: in contact you know i think they've already come down and talked to us quite quite uh, i think somebody said uh about five percent of the U.S. population. How many millions of people would that be?
3: Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. But they uh, and people say, why don't they land on the White House lawn? Well, I don't particularly want to talk to any of those people in there. Do you? You know, I can think. I can think <laughs> well, of much. Of it. I can cleared.
4: Remember, the president isn't cleared.
3: <laughs> yeah, we're clearing, clearing, smearing. I mean, in terms of, uh, uh, they're going to talk to ordinary people because they want to know what they're up against. I mean, it's, uh, there are differing opinions as to whether the ETs have the same kind of politics as we do. Uh, but the, uh, the only thing I reject, all possibilities are open. The only thing I reject is the idea that they're, such, they're so transcendental ascend, such transcendental ascended beings that they are beyond all worry and want. That's, no, nonsense. They're pretty much the same as we are.
1: I'd I, I, I I like to come back
4: I, down to earth just a little bit from the whole ET idea, um, with two other fascinating revelations in the hearings. Seeing as that's the subject of tonight.
3: Okay. Um, but this was amazing. where Richard wanted to push it, so go ahead. Then well, go back to that.
4: just two two yep. other major revelations, at least to me. Now maybe Daddy already, kn- Daddy Sheen already knew about this, but I didn't. Hmm. Um, as I mentioned before, it was revealed that the Navy will be um, managing and in charge of this new office directly under the secretary of defense, not the air force, not the Marine, not the army, the Navy. Okay. That's number one. Um, number two, it was revealed that these um, videos that were released starting in late, I think it was 2017. Um, these were, we, we've all, we've always known that they were uh, Navy. They were released by the Navy one from an aircraft carrier, another from an F-18, a uh, Navy fighter jet. Um, but You've what was revealed it. in the hearings that was new to me was that they were in Navy training ranges. Um, so these are training ranges by definition, while any of our military services are doing an exercise or a drill or a war game, uh, that is secured airspace. And it was also revealed that, or at least the claim was made, that they have determined or believe they know that there were swarms of drones in the general area of the so-called UAP at the time of the video of the UAP. Now, drones are very man-made, okay? And this reminds you of the unmarked black helicopters that have been seen in association with some um, not all, but some, uh, not only cattle mutilations, but also so-called UFO uh, sightings. So um, there's something very down to earth about at least a good portion of these as well. Um,
0: mm-hmm. are, are you guys familiar with uh, the September 17th, 1989, Verona's incident in Russia where, um, a craft uh, sat down and uh, a group of children saw the entities get out, but they were tall entities. They had, they looked like they were wearing some kind of space suit with three eyes on it or something. And there was a symbol on the bottom of the craft. Um, are you familiar with any of that?
4: Yes. I've read about it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Cause um when it came out i was trying to tell copple uh, ted copple that uh, there was something familiar about the symbol on the bottom of the craft or on the side of the craft and on the suits that the that the kids had drawn and i found it it was a picture that was taken in 1966 or 65 or something like that by these two brothers um and it shows this pie pan double pie pan white craft turned up on its side first it was horizontal and then it turned up on its side so now you can see the bottom of it and that Ooh. symbol was on the bottom of that and if you go to uh my section in radio with pictures um you'll you'll find it uh the pictures in there and you can see that Ooh. that that incident the kids drew a picture in. oh
4: the uranus uh, symbol Uh
0: yeah yeah and but if you think about this Think about this very hard. It looks like a h with the i in the middle or or a division in the middle. If you yeah. take the diagonal vertical lines uh the corners or of it and you flip those ends over to the center i what symbol do you get?
4: I don't know what you're asking is
0: You're yeah. asking
3: to reverse reverse the outriggers okay. so that they're pointed so that the points are pointed t-
0: Toward the center. Toward the oh, center. so that
4: they're pointed inwards. Yes. yes. Well, it looks it's a cross. It's you, a
0: cross. You end up with a swastika. You do? Yeah. Take the take the the upper corner, the quadrants, turn them sideways so that they touch the center division, and you end up with a swastika.
3: Oh, In other I- words, you make it across, and the bent ends make it look like a swastika. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. Well, you take you take the the ones the, the that. fourths yeah. and turn them sideways so they touch the center, and you get a swastika. So it's like a,
4: swastika, a swastika with a vertical line through it.
0: No, nope. That vertical line is the other part of the swastika. You're taking Keith. What's the point of that? It's a symbol. It yeah, shows yeah, I something. Know
3: it's a we symbol. can say that it's either right or it's wrong, but why would you then man- hey, hey, it hey, hey, to hey, make hey, a symbol?
0: Hey, don't make me use the takeover button, which is spelled M-U-T-E, okay? I'm telling you. It's a fair it, question, brother. I'm, t- I'm giving it to you, okay? If, if, the, if the Nazis did set up a base down at the Antarctic, and that's why we had Operation High Jump, they could have this technology, and they could have modified the SWAT sticker to look like this, and they may still be flying these craft. And that's why this craft was taken. The picture was taken in 1965 or 66, and whatever the kids in Russia saw, that was probably a technology that was man-made because these guys were looking like they were wearing spacesuits. But then, why
4: don't we just use Occam's razor and say that this is a symbol of Uranus?
0: Yeah, you could use yeah. that. Thinking it's maybe just the modification, maybe it's not. But then five years later in September 16th, 1994, there was another incident that involved like 60 children, 60 or seven children in uh, Zimbabwe. And John Mack and, and uh, uh, oh gosh. John Mack investigated it. He was a Harvard uh, professor as well and he had to fight Harvard over this whole thing. Along the with aerial. Bud Hopkins, the
2: aerial school, the aerial school
0: sighting. Right. Yeah. By the way,
4: Dan represented John Matt. He was his attorney.
0: Yep. Right. Yep. So that was five, exactly five years, almost to the day, that that incident that took place in Russia took place. And as you go down in my images, there are the pictures that the kids drew, and all of them drew this craft. Embedded between the trees it landed between the trees and mm-hmm. It it obviously so impressed them the way this thing was sitting in between the trees that all of them drew the craft surrounded by the trees and You don't do something kids don't do stuff like that unless there is something that catches their eye and they just they don't understand it, but they 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 can draw an image based on it and all the kids mm-hmm. drew the same thing and then mm-hmm. if you go down to my image number six there's a whole bunch of drawings of the little big-eyed gray guys that we've been knowing about for some time now. That they drew that came out of these craft, and if they're the the Zeta Reticuli, who claim they're us twenty-four thousand and fifty-two thousand years into the future, um, it's something to think about. But kids don't lie. I mean, they of course they make up stuff, but you can't get all the kids to be on the same page at the same time in an event like that. Yeah,
4: that's very interesting. I've never seen those drawings.
0: I would have brought this up at the hearing if I was at the hearing. I would have said, are you familiar with the Verona incident? Is there anything related to that that's going on now? Or are you familiar with the Zimbabwe experience? Are you, and they'll probably would have said, well, we're not familiar with that. That's not in our UAP uh, task force. <laughs> And no, and it they
4: not be explicitly said they weren't going to include anything like that in their database.
0: Yeah, why why would you start now in in 2020 or 2019 when they started this whole thing instead of going back and looking at everything up to this point? It's stupid. You don't have well, anything. Uh,
4: to be, to be fair, to be fair, um, I believe it was Bray. Yeah, it was Bray um, who did say. They have gone back into what he called legacy data um, and it, and they have now expanded their database going back in history to unexplained incidents. They've gone from 144 in the original report to 400. So to be fair, they have gone back in history.
0: Okay. Well, Good I still to think they're trying to, to whitewash this whole thing, but... They're, they're making an effort because they have an alternative agenda. They want to bring this tech, technology forward so they can utilize it in their arsenal, but they don't want to admit exactly where it came from. But we were told by Colonel Philip Corso, hey, this technology, he disseminated into our, our society through their government contractors when he was at the Pentagon. And night vision, laser, fiber optics, he said, we had these wafers. We now know they were microchips. And he even told the he told story to uh, Linda Mullen Howe about how they took this wafer and they connected it to an electric golf cart with no batteries in it, put a drop of water on it, and they're driving around in this electric golf cart with drop of water on this wafer. And he, he told us to who's, Senator, who's
4: the day, sorry, who's the day you're referring to doing
0: this? Uh, it was the, the Pentagon guys that, um, Corso uh-huh. was working with and he was, he was disseminating the technology to companies like Raytheon and so forth. And what they, he didn't give it to, uh, he didn't give anything to, um, uh, gosh, I'm forgetting who, who came up with the transistor. Oh gosh. Oh. Bell Labs. Bell Labs. Ten thirty
4: one. I don't know if you need to take a break,
0: Keith. It's ten thirty one. No, I'm Whoops. oh yeah. Blue, I'm, break. blue through the break. Okay, guys. Uh we're gonna take a break here and when we come back we'll pick up where we left off and hopefully um, this will turn out to be a good time. Okay. You're listening to the other side of midnight. I'm your host, Keith Morgan, and my guests will be back in a second.
7: Two things are on one answer reach. All I need is water The other side of midnight.com. Talk radio with pictures on demand. Liberate your hyperdimensional time scale and non-linearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and thought. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule. Filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Talk radio with pictures on demand.
1: The Other Side
7: of Midnight.com
6: The Other Side of Midnight.com Tune in to listen to Richard C. Hoagland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. Search the archives. Listen to past episodes anytime on any device. Membership costs $9.95 a month, 33 cents a day. Support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk Radio at the Cutting Edge of Science and Thought. TheOtherSideOfMidnight.com I will sit there all my
1: lazy days, I'll waste my time away. Nothing much to do, so I will
8: wait to start, i run clouds
1: away. Run them clouds away.
0: And welcome back to the other side of Midnight. Uh, I blew through that break, but um, we're going to pick up where we left off. I have uh, a
4: question for Danny Keith.
0: Okay. Go ahead.
4: Um, Danny, I believe I heard you say that uh, Lou Elizondo is um, advising on UAP's UFOs to Space Command. What can you tell us about what Space Command is doing? well
2: that's uh that I don't know yet I don't know yet uh you know they're still they're still sort of standing up the unit uh there's been lots of discussion going on about how uh, how uh the, the space force relates to the space command uh you know that there's a lot of bureaucratic shuffling going on around here because this all this all was triggered you know by trump saying oh let's let's just full-scale, let's establish military domination over space, you know, just kind of a little brain fart that he had. Uh, and he says, here, let's let's get this uh, going now. And so the, he advocated setting up the Space Force, uh, and that they've stood up the Space Force. They've now got, they're generating uniforms and symbols for them, et cetera. The Air Force is pushing back. The Space Command uh, people that had been uh, operational are pushing back. So it's not, it's not at all clear to me exactly what the structure is, that, that our focus is figuring out how to put together a comprehensive set of task forces that can address all these different issues. My, my objective is to try to get, as I pointed out a while ago, more uh, input into the process of evaluating this whole phenomenon than just the military you know and not, and of course not just other government agencies or not just universities but to try to get you know the the all of the different ranges of things that need to be discussed about this sociological social psychological you know economic political you know what are the public policies that need to get put into place assuming that we're dealing with a, you know a highly advanced extraterrestrial uh, civilization members of which are right here on our own galaxy who apparently have the capacity to come and go from our planet, you know, if if we're going to move as a a species into a new phase of consciously and collectively acknowledging the existence of these beings and trying to establish some kind of diplomatic relationship uh, with them, uh, there, there ought to be more people involved in this than the military. Uh, and the major corporations that are making their money for their stockholders building weapons I mean that seems to be obvious on the face of it that we ought to be we ought to expand beyond that, but the bureaucracy is tending to rivet down on that that type of a exclusive perspective on this whole issue.
3: Uh, Daniel there yeah. was an insight, there was an insight on on exactly that uh, in an article uh, that Gizmodo had. A couple of weeks ago, and I, uh, it had over 40 of the uh, unit insignia for it, and it seems that what has happened is that they're trying to use NASA at this point uh, as a sort of a clearinghouse, because what they're doing is setting up individual units, and the Navy's setting ones up, and Air Force is everybody's setting up setting up units with specialties, and. So there's some duplication in that, and so they're trying to sort it all out. And they're, according to that, it was just a reference, but it's the most the clearest thing I've seen. They're using NASA to uh, pull these together because otherwise it's a cat fight, you know, yeah. between the between the Navy and the Air Force and so forth. But they are putting it together, and there's a whole bunch of it. We just I don't realize you? how Put much of it there together. is. Yet. are you
4: referring to Space Command, what are you referring to? But yeah,
3: yeah, I'm talking about Space Force. They, uh, in the, in order to give it some sort of central uh clearing house and uh you know office building uh they haven't quite decided whoever they might be within the government they haven't quite decided how to go about this yet they're still squabbling about it so you know, currently you I, I, ne-
4: um, I went to the DoD website before the show a couple of days ago and uh-huh. uh, space command is not a separate
3: uh military service no, that's not Space Force. Space Command has been around for years.
0: In fact, I you'll see Space. them.
4: I meant Space Force. It's not the center. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, we've got – We've. I don't think Trump came up with that. I think they maneuvered him into that position um, because – I'd appreciate
3: it if people stopped blaming this stuff on Trump, both you and Daniel. It's, uh, it's a good idea. It's, time had come, and the only thing that he was involved in was picking a name for it.
0: Yeah, I don't think he even picked a name. It was probably he was maneuvered in that direction because this is all part of the coming out, the coming out party where they're going to dump all the stuff onto us. Um, The technologies that we think we have that's supposed to be so sophisticated and end all be all, we are just scraping the bottom of the barrel. There are technologies that people haven't even dreamt of yet that still are on the drawing board that are going to revolutionize everything and I know I could talk about the technology all day long because that was my thing it's it, an electronics technician I saw all the stuff that was going on behind the scenes uh, the,
3: did you see it working or did you just see people talking about it
0: no Stan Myers he had a way to convert water to hydrogen using very little current. yeah well, then, then there, have been, he,
3: there have been fifty, there have been fifty gazillion magic engines. Troy and Reed, and Troy,
0: Troy, Reed with the Reed magnetic motor. I saw his spot come through ABC going to an affiliate in uh, in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Stan Myers, his was going to an ABC affiliate in Ohio, in uh, Akron, Ohio, or wherever he lived. And I'm like, why isn't this national stories? We're in an energy crisis, and these guys got technologies that could have got us off of oil. And no. It never went national, and I, I that was that's what pissed me off was the technology. You forgot the
3: Japanese guy with the bicep with the motorcycle yeah. or scooter or whatever it was.
0: The, the Japanese yeah had a, a car that would you could drive for 50 miles for one hour on a liter of water. Okay. Yeah. And they, all it did was electrolysis on the water. Now you've got Bloom mm-hmm. Energy. They have an electrolysis process just like Stan Myers. He wasn't using a lot of current. Because the lie was it takes as much energy to tear the hydrogen and oxygen apart as what you get when you put it back together, so you're not getting anything. But if you use resonant frequency, resonant frequency will cause anything to tear itself apart without a lot of energy. Okay. Uh,
3: Keith, get prepared to yell at me because I'm going to stamp my foot. Uh, Richard asked me specifically to bring one thing into the conversation, and everybody's running away from it
1: Okay. talk about
3: other stuff. It's, I mean, this, he thought that the conference was a conference. You know, how many times can you say, "Well, of course they didn't tell us the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth," and yes, they were uninformed and everything? Okay, fine. Uh, the reason that he has that image in his images of the uh, of that doorway is because he wanted to talk about it. Now, either we talk, either we can cover that, or just abandon it. And I won't mention it again, but it was, he, he had a
1: reason and well, I the think reason was
4: interesting fact about it. If it's correct, uh, is what I've heard. I believe it was, uh, a week ago today's show, uh, is that it's only about a foot high.
3: That's not true. No, no, it's not that. Yeah. And the size wouldn't matter anyway. And,
4: I um, it does matter. Well,
3: it would matter if it's manufactured. Doesn't make any difference. It doesn't matter if it's a small window or if it's a great big door, uh, you know. But it clearly looks like a manufactured um, part.
4: <laughs> okay. So Richard yeah. wanted it raised. What does he want us to know about it?
3: Okay. Well, there's a little re- there's a little reference if you if you scroll down to the pictures that um, Keith kindly ported over from last week when it didn't come up. Everybody keeps dodging this. Uh, the, uh, look at my stuff, bronze um, items Western and list there there's a reason for everything there. Uh, the first picture uh the upper left upper left image is anubis, and the reason the only reason it's there is if you look at the base, you know, which was part of it wasn't added by the museum uh notice the shape in there okay those the, those are actually false doors depictions of them.
4: Yeah, and you're correct. You did, They're very, very important in ancient Egypt.
3: Exactly. So you go down to number three. Well,
4: and, that, false uh, door is, that false door is Osiris' door.
3: There you go. And uh, so there's a couple of nice depictions of the way that works on number three and four. And uh, the uh, I like number three because it's all complex, and I'm still staggered by how nicely the those pictures are. How nice those pictures are! Nicely, I sound like Trump there. Uh, the uh, those those pictures were taken on the expedition in 1903. That's why they're so pristine. They were they hadn't started screwing stuff up then. And uh, Chemdefer was not a pharaoh. He was just a rich guy that could afford a big complex. But what number four, at,
4: what is it? We're looking at in number three. Where is that?
3: Uh, th- this is it's on the Giza Plateau. It's one of many many other ruins that's there. Mm hmm. OK. And uh, so they and those are some outside views. And if you blow any of them up, it's all the same complex They're pictures from different directions. Um, all that tall, skinny stuff. Those are doors, false and otherwise. And the way that it um, see this is actually very simple. Uh, number four, obviously, just the doors. The one on the uh, left is the entrance to the complex. And then you wander around inside a bit, and you get to the door to the tomb, which resembles very much the uh, door of whatever size that's on that uh, picture from um, NASA. Which, Mm -hmm. admittedly, I don't know the exact size, but you know that's notice the the misshapen lintel at the top of it and everything. It's all the same. And on the extreme right, you have the ultimate in false doors which is the little white part there. If you blow it up, you can see that's a hole all the way through it. And it was to allow the ka uh, of the uh, deceased to come out and, and at least smell, if not sample the foods and everything else that were left to entertain them. Um, they didn't really have the uh, – uh, they, the, they wanted to keep the presence of a pharaoh or a, a past luminary around, but they didn't really want them active. It's uh, <laughs> that's why they extract. that's why they extracted all of the internal organs and put them in jars so that they couldn't reanimate the body. But they wanted the
4: obvious here, this is a tomb and that uh-huh. is the subject of death and what comes after it. And mm-hmm. I remind you about Whitley Strieber's book and I remind you about that incredible uh quote that I read to you from John uh, Edmund book.
3: Absolutely. Very, very relevant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The uh, Okay. Now, a, the only little trick on here is number five. That's a curiosity photo. And if you blow it up, you notice that thing in the more or less foreground that is kind of oblong and strangely up on one edge. Uh, if you look at it closely, then you go back up to number one.
4: Well hold, well, hold on, hold yeah. on, where in the photograph,
3: on the left, the right, the middle what? Uh, oh, it's on the right. What you're looking at there is um, a um, section of a foundation, I would say. It's, a, it's part of a panorama, which is much bigger than that, but this is, uh, and if you look at the larger version, you need that just so that you can see the detail, uh, that thing in the front uh in the, uh, the like i said it's kind of teardrop shaped and it's up on its edge and it's right oh, in that, front of everything yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. uh that's actually a, tila- a carving uh or a little sculpture of a tilapia a fish which was the primary food fish in ancient egypt and it has tilapia have a pronounced face like some aquarium fish do and if you look up at number uh at number one that's why the uh thing at the bottom there that's another sculpture this time from Egypt of uh, a tilapia, so mm-hmm. you could kind of see the similarity. Uh, the um,
4: isn't a tilapia think the one, bottom fish, a flat fish? Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and if you turn uh, the one that's depicted in number one, I didn't bother to waste a frame on both sides. But if you look at the other side of it, it looks like a salver. Those things that you serve a um, fancy steak on or something like that. I, I,
2: can I, can I ask – I don't know that. why – why is, why is it we're talking about this? Hmm? I'm, I'm not sure exactly how we got we well, to – Well, to make a connection
3: difference between, difference between difference ancient difference Egypt difference and the and the difference supposed difference. doorway. Oh, sorry, Barbara. I didn't mean to step on
4: you. It's not directly relevant to the hearings. It's just that Richard yeah. Hoagland is the host of the show – couldn't be here, and he wanted this discussed at least briefly.
2: This is yeah. more of the Mars stuff, the Richard's Mars stuff. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah. Well, this is yeah. This is actually my Mars stuff, but it's just yeah. The idea is the he came up with the uh, he wanted to include that supposed doorway because of it. It looked Egyptian, and so this is just some backup evidence of how Egyptian it looks. And um, he wanted to make that connection which i think is as important as anything else because that would indicate that yes a lot of people in positions of authority had known for a long time that there's a connection between us and there and if we're the martians then we got here from there using technology that we don't currently have not even elon has fair enough to say and the um, uh, yeah i i talked about it last week but number two is just on the left that's a sculpture of an owl which is very very rare in ancient egypt stuff i'm sure barbara can explain more than i can why it's rare but they seldom had it uh depicted owls and so the mama was very happy to get that and on the right there's one of the badges from space force i've got like 50 of them collected so far and um it's one of the uh I think it's electronic counter espionage or so. I, they have all sorts of fancy titles, but you'll notice well, the I, owl I, on there.
4: Let me point out the obvious again, back to yes, the yes. hearing, which is our main topic. And that is mm-hmm. the Admiral Wilson memo with the EW memo, electronic warfare counter espionage right. subcommittee. Of That's the why F- I
3: mentioned it. Yeah. yeah yeah so see so, you know best not to be scared, best not to be scared of uh the Mars connections. But there's actually another one. If anyone bothers to look at the larger version and look behind the fish, uh there's a square cut block in there which couldn't have happened from erosion or anything else. so that's the real connection with the one that was circulated around everywhere last week. So okay, I agree,
4: Danny. I think we should go back to the hearing.
0: Though. Yeah, we're going to go back to the hearing. What else is there to say? Well, we're going we're going back to the hearing well, because we're going to yeah, be picking up uh, Stephen Bassett in about uh, eight minutes. Oh,
3: good!
0: Um, Excellent. We'll coming Excellent. On? Excellent. Uh Yeah, cause he said he was he'd be able to make the uh, third hour. So, yeah, and
2: I, I have to I have to jump off to at eleven, you guys, because uh, I've got I've got the uh, I've got a major event tomorrow morning that I still have to plan. We've got all of our major funders coming to the museum here in, in Santa Cruz to celebrate the passage of the first stage of our California Green New Deal bill. Danny, uh, Danny yes. would
4: you be able to stay on for like the first five or 10 minutes of Steve Bassett though?
2: Sure, you can, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, uh, it's just beginning to
4: this overlap with him. Yeah,
2: okay.
0: okay. All right, um, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pick him up. Uh, probably like to like when we go into the break uh, and then bring him on because he said he could make the third hour and okay. hopefully he's available he might be available now but I'll, I'll kind of give him a call or something see if he's available okay, uh, okay
4: not you do that and we haven't heard that much yeah. from Ron and your Braun. Um, Ron do you have comments about the hearing
3: uh, I do uh, I think it would was better And more useful than I hear some other opinions about. I I just I'm realistic about the about the nature of secrecy, you know. And people that have to deal with it on a daily basis are it's an automatic reflex. You don't want to speak out of turn, and they obviously selected, as you pointed out, I believe, the uh, uh, people to speak there as people that were carefully under informed. So that they wouldn't get into the, uh, areas where they might accidentally be tricked into saying something they shouldn't, but I think it was just I think it was for the public it wasn't for the politicians you know they were people had asked for these things, and uh, Stephen should certainly be happy that finally something got rolling and uh well Rubio Rubio I think was the most uh uh, the biggest driver on this. He's taken it as a political item. He yeah, so
4: why Rubio?
3: To, uh, he wants to be president someday. And he picked, okay. a, he picked a topic that other people were scared of to uh, make a... It's uh, And I think he made a good choice in that it's not self-destructive. Everybody agrees that there's things that we're not told about stuff. And everybody, uh, from the days of the crash test dummies falling out of the... Um, um balloons at Roswell. I mean, yep. um, yeah, you know, they people are people are fed up with those stories. So it's it's not a another, bad choice. There's
4: another side to the coin. And it was um explicitly mentioned at the beginning of the hearings last Tuesday that this is maybe the only topic that that the Democrats and Republicans could agree on um
5: <laughs> to hold a <laughs> hearing
4: and not fight over. So you know, again, my question: Why Rubio? Because it really doesn't help one party over another, that I can see.
3: Well, that just proves that he's a uh, he. He wants to be president. He wouldn't care which party he was in if he got the job. He's not a. <laughs> he's not just a. He's not just a partic, uh partisan hack, apparently.
1: Oh, you I know, think he but, is.
3: Uh, well, okay, maybe he is. But I mean, I think he. You know, it's a personal choice on him. He uh inarguably uh chose this as one of his uh things to champion you know maybe he didn't maybe he's not part of a committee uh one of the committees he wanted to be part of i don't know he's been doing this he's been talking about it for several years
4: yeah so i'd then, like yeah. to hear um from danny um you mentioned that it was important that adam schiff who is the head of the overall house intelligence committee um, why, why do you think it was so important that he was there?
2: Well, I mean, you, you've got to understand that, that this, all of this that's happening right now is a continuation of the kind of major initiative that's been undertaken starting in December of 2017 with the revelation of the videos in the New York Times coverage, uh, with, uh, in Lou Elizondo. Going on major, uh, sixty minutes along with Chris Mellon. They've been, they've been working. You know, I've I've attended several meetings. You know, with different Congress people. And you got to understand that Lou Lou Elizondo, his father his father was in the two five zero six brigade or the Alpha sixty six. You know, hardcore conservative. You know, Cuban refugee stuff. And he's a military guy. He's really quite conservative. And uh, he's he's reached out initially to conservative senators and Congresspeople uh, because he thinks that they are going to be more responsive to the issue of the national security threat that he's very concerned is not being adequately addressed. He's frustrated about that uh, because he 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 can't imagine why you know a UFO coming up over a minuteman uh, nuclear base and shutting off nuclear weapons you know isn't generating you know generals running around the Pentagon with their hair on fire uh, but it's not uh, and he's he's totally well, they claim it's
4: not they claim it's not
2: no no it's not that's mm-hmm. the point that's exactly the point uh which means that you know that they are not briefed in they 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 the above them people above them know that somehow this is not a national security threat. They're not, act, they're not responding to this as though it were a real national security threat. Uh, and that is, that is uh, causing a great deal of consternation uh, among other people. Uh, and so that, that the, Lou and Chris and others have been reaching out to members of Congress. They've reached, they've reached out as, as far to the left as Gillibrand. Uh, now, you know, uh, and uh, they they've got the uh, uh, and they've got Rubio uh, involved, who is, is a very conservative guy in the Republican Party, uh, and they've got Gallego. Gallego is a major military guy who is going to be running against uh, against Cinema for the Democratic uh, nomination for the Senate when she her term comes up. So that the point of it is, is that the reason that the conservative people like Rubio are involved is because that's who is being approached by Lou. <laughs> to be to be blunt about
4: it. So is there a
0: okay, guys, uh, can we hold it here? Uh, we're coming up there on the break again. So Marco
4: Rubio, Marco Rubio and Alpha Sixty Six, Lou's father, is there uh, a Cuba connection?
0: Well, there,
2: there that that's is it's the hard right right wing congress senator from florida okay guys
0: guys his guy guys can you hear me uh i'm going to break so we'll have to pick this up on the other side okay okay all right uh you're listening to the other side of midnight uh we've got a heated debate going on and things are looking pretty good so we'll be back in a moment after the break
8: Richard C. Hogland here. I'd like you to support the other side of midnight by subscribing to Club 19.5 and thereby joining our unique and growing radio community. Tune in to listen to our fascinating guests pioneers on the out there edge of science and thought and gain access to exclusive member benefits. To do this, just visit our website, TheOtherSideOfMidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the navigator bar or in the left-hand column. Membership costs 19.95 per month, that's 33 tetrahedral cents a day, I mean it's the price of a couple of cups of coffee. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to this show and literally hundreds of previous shows on hundreds of different topics going back to 2015 that we have done. Our archive shows have the commercials removed and you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the 19 Point archives if you prefer. To enhance your listener experience, a new The Other Side of Midnight podcast is being added to all show pages which will allow you to instantly search the show archives of radio with pictures, thus easily accessing the corresponding show. Plus you can just as quickly access the entire podcast list when you're on the go. I want to personally thank all our club 19.5 members because without your continuing support, this show would literally not be on the air. Please continue supporting the broadcast to provide you with the most interesting conversation available, talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought, and if you like what you hear on the other side of midnight, tell your friends, and continue growing the show by having them subscribe to Club 19.5 as well, because we need all of you. And when I say we need you, you're the reason we're doing all this. Hoagland, over and out.
1: When with the of time and
0: And welcome to this. Back to the other side of midnight. Um, it looks like I've picked up Stephen Bassett, and now it's going to get really interesting. Hi, Steven.:
9: <laughs> I'm sure it was quite interesting with Danny, uh, but I'll do what I can.
0: Well, yeah, Danny kept us amused. <laughs> yeah, he he did a great job. Uh, he's he's going to have to probably dodge out of here. Um, hey, have you guys – you guys want to talk about anything between each of you before he leaves?
2: <laughs> no, Steve and I talk to each other all the time. Yeah, no, we're good.
9: We're yeah,
0: good. I know He you... needs to
9: get to bed. He's, he's an old guy, you know. He's
0: got to get some sleep. <laughs> I see all this gray hair, but he just he, – he, both of you guys are, are terrific. I just want to let you know that um, – i'm proud of you to sticking up for this and and Thank keeping you. their their butts in the fire you know for to get this information out and uh, daniel's it's great knowing you um even though we read virtually <laughs> uh, right. so uh if you have yeah.
2: to... i wanted to wait for steven to get on board so he could uh, pick it up here to talk about these hearings because so I, I say that it's it's important to see the positive Dimensions of this hearing uh, that have taken place, uh, even though it's disappointing that the partic- that the, the Bray and uh, and fellows that, that were there that didn't you know Ronald uh, Moultrie didn't say anything much, but but there was a was a very important meeting to take place. The fact that uh, the fact that Adam Schiff was there as the chairman of the committee was extremely important. The fact that they pressed them into appointing Sean. Uh, Kirkpatrick to be the director of this program after six months of doing nothing because the hearing was coming on and they knew they had to do it uh, and there have been there have been you know a few important pieces that have come out and it's the beginning it's the beginning of the series of hearings that Stephen has been working at for so many years to get to happen uh, and people kept telling him that it wasn't going to happen and he kept saying yes it is you watch and so you know I, I'll pass it over to Steve now to to continue to point out. The positive aspects of this, even though neither Scott Bray nor Ronald Moultrie were really very well briefed in and have a very narrow focus of just telling you over and over again that there's going to be a common, you know, uh, protocol set up for reporting. So, Stevie, take it it away and uh, explain to people why this was much more important than they might think it was at the beginning.
0: Thank you, Daniel. Very good. So who's, who's who's with us here? we got Keith. Who else? Is Richard with us? Hi, Stephen. This yeah. is Ron. I'm is here, Parker? too. Okay. You got Barbara and Ron. Uh, uh, Richard had a power outage, so I'm ah. making sure that yeah. we get a live show out tonight.
9: He's got the worst power. He's got the worst power situation. Probably anybody. In the country. I said the
3: wind was actually shaking his house.
0: Yeah. Oh, Lord. Hmm. He's out in the boonies. Okay.
9: Huh? Let me – uh. Uh, let me let me really put this as I'm getting better and I had but by I just finished two interviews right I got another tomorrow of course you know I'm loving that uh, but let me uh, put this in as few words as possible. Here's the deal: uh, the U.S. government has known about the ET presence since, since Roswell
1: right?
9: uh, and has been dealing with it since Roswell. Uh, all of it classified programs, deep USAPs, and everything else. God knows how many tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars they spent on. Dealing with the ET issue. At the same time, they had to also maintain a truth embargo. That was a the decision they made, and uh, they had their reasons for it, national security. And so it's, it's simultaneous with investigating, monitoring, whatever, to the extent that they wished, the ET issue, as well as dealing with uh, the dead bodies. Uh, they they had to somehow contain the issue from the public to keep it from becoming uh, an accepted and formal reality. That was the truth embargo. So these two things have been going on for 75 years okay so once you know that it starts to make sense why some so many of the things you're seeing don't seem to add up right when they talk about uh well we we started seeing reports uh, around 2000 i'm going are you kidding me uh and, and, and it's easy to get frustrated but the thing the second thing everyone needs to know is that this is not about setting up a entity in the Uh, Pentagon and setting in protocols and what have you to discover anything. This is not about discovery at all. This is about public relations. This is a public relations maneuver uh, with high stakes. Now, one of the ways to, one analogy you might use is this. We've had to deal with the Soviet Union over the years, uh, I mean, during the the, the, uh, nuclear arms race with a lot at stake, huge issue. They had to get together and they had to talk and they had to go through a kind of a song and dance, a diplomatic song and dance, in which you try to work your pl- way to a place where the two nations come, come some sort of agreement. And I can assure you that in that process, that dance that's going on, they're, they're, they're lying here, they're lying there, they're playing a game here, playing a game there. Uh, that's the nature of diplomacy. So that, this is similar to that, uh, the lying is primarily a, 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 a matter of, of keeping the process on track, not letting it go off the rails into the woods, uh, because if it does, it could set it back. So that is what's happening. And so setting up a, 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 the AIMSOG to, to start looking at reports, they've been getting reports for 75 years from their own people. There were 13,000 reports submitted to Blue Book. Right? The last thing they need is more reports. But what they need to be doing is, is, is to, trying to do is show you that they are trying to do well, the right thing if a little bit late. And so that's the same for the Congress. The Congress has refused to have hearings for 54 years. Uh, probably the DOD was behind a lot of that, but there were plenty of people in Congress that weren't going to do it. They didn't want to take the risk. And so the Congress is now coming into the game finally and doing what they're supposed to do. And the effect of this, the simplest way to think about the public relations, because there's many aspects to it. But the fact of this is that they're putting distance between themselves in the truth embargo. So you go back X number of months, whatever seems right to you, and you go, and at that point, X number of months ago, the DOD was still, maybe actually a couple of years, really, the DOD was firmly in full truth embargo stance. We don't know what you're talking about. We're not going to tell you anything if we did, and tough, Right. And the Congress was in the same position. We don't know anything, right? We, we don't know what to do. We have no interest in, at all. And then suddenly they come around. So what's happened is now people are, are starting to see them do these things. And that's putting distance between them and when they were not doing these things. And so even though it's still going to be very awkward that the post-disclosure world, it's not going to be a picnic for the DOD or the Air Force, the Navy, or the Congress as well. They have a lot of tough questions to ask. but people tend to remember what's happening in the moment. And so people will, will recall and know that they were trying to do the right thing for a year, two years, maybe three. And now we, we know the truth, the ET uh, is here. And yeah, we sort of know they knew it all the way back in 47, but hey, I'm giving them points for trying and, and, and trying to do the right thing. So that, that those, that the distance that they're creating is key to the public relations benefits, right? It's about looking good, minimizing damage, Bringing the people into into it, having a more joint process where the Congress is involved, the DoD is involved, the public's involved, and ultimately the president gets involved at the very end. The president's not going to get into this; he's going to stay out of it completely um, because he wants this thing delivered to him, not uh, by by let's say a Lawrence Rockefeller or some third party. He wants it delivered to him on the basis of the testimony that the Congress and the DoD. Uh, are able to present to the world. And once that testimony reaches a critical mass, and he's going to be able to say, I've talked to my people, I've talked to the DOD, it's clear that this evidence confirms an extraterrestrial presence, I am confirming to you today, we are not alone. This will be far less political that way. It's, it's obviously political because he's a Democrat, but disclosure can only come from the president, and there's only one party and president in, uh, in the White House at a time, but this will make it far less political. It will be far more difficult for people to say, oh, this is some ploy to get a reelected or, or you're, you're trying to pull some game on us. No, it's going to look like he's, he's doing the right thing because all the evidence that he, he will watch, everybody else is watching too. You know? it, It's, uh, it's going to be then reasonable that he comes to a conclusion similar to what everybody else has come to. This is a healthy, non-destructive way to finally end this 75-year-old deal. Uh, I'm totally a supporter. The hearing that we just had perfectly fit into this scenario. I was quite happy with it, but several very significant things happened, and I can go into that if you like. Please. Okay. Uh, Most notable things about the hearing. One, it happened. That's the most notable. Uh, Two, Adam Schiff, leading into the hearing, publicly supported Carson several times. Didn't have to do that. He then shows up at the hearing, sitting up there at the, t- at the top of the table with Carson, opens it up, says good things. Afterwards, he also says more good things. So why – he didn't have to be there. What is, what is that all about? What Adam Schiff has done without, without putting himself out too far is say I completely support this process. Uh, I am fully aware of this process, and anybody in Congress is paying attention knows that I'm going to call a hearing for my committee too. Eventually, who knows when? But soon. In other words, the House Intel Committee is going to hold a hearing, which sends a very powerful message to Mark Warner, the Intel uh, Committee of the Senate. Okay. In other words, well, Mark, if you want to get out in front of this issue, uh, you may want to get going here because I think Schiff's getting ready to do something. And I can tell you this without with a high confidence: if this basic icebreaker hearing, not complicated, short, uh, not didn't go into much depth, but potentially said but what's going on. And okay, this, this made it to C-SPAN 2. The next hearing, even if it's another subcommittee hearing, will make it to C-SPAN 1. But the first hearing in front of the intel committee is going to be broadcast on multiple networks, maybe even cable network or two, and around the world. It's going to be watched by many tens of millions of people. Right? And it will also have a classified session. So this is how quickly things could escalate. Uh, and, and, and Schiff has put the marker down, I, I may be the next. We'll see. So that was important. But then other things happened. Okay. Uh, probably the most notable was the actions of Mike Gallagher, uh, I believe a Republican congressman, Marine, that sharp guy. I see, a, I see potential national possibilities there. So he, he does something that I think most people didn't expect. I happen to think it was orchestrated. I just I think that the committee in advance agreed that he would do this and we're okay with it. All right, he just didn't pull this out to try to pull a stunt, and I'll tell you why, in a minute. So during his questioning, which was relatively vanilla, all of a sudden he hits Bray with a very significant question. Uh, I've heard or there's been reports of large globe, large globe uh, coming down over one of our uh, military uh, fact bases, Maelstrom. And the missile turned off. Do you know something about that? Whoa. Now, that is a pretty significant moment. I'm sure that Bob Salas almost fell out of his chair when he saw that. Um, And then which put Bray in a very difficult position. And, And believe me, the number of members of the DOD and the military services that have been in difficult positions because of the truth embargo is a long list going all the way back. One of the most notable is John Haynes, who did the 1997 press conference and ended up lie through his teeth the whole time. Um, and so here's Bray. What is he going to do? First of all, if he really doesn't know anything about it, it's very embarrassing. Though so it's not shocking. These men were high level officials that were appropriate for that level of an operation that were put in charge. They weren't, they weren't put in charge because they'd been studying UAP and, and listening to the other side of midnight for the last 15 years. So it wouldn't surprise me he didn't know anything. And if that's true, he had to say that. Well, that's kind of embarrassing. So he's going to take a lot of grief, and he has. But what else did he do? But let's, let's take it up another notch. Let's say he did know something about it. What does he do then? Ah, he has a couple of choices, and they're all bad. One is to say, uh, yes, I'm aware of it. Boom, instantly. Uh, more questions to follow. You're aware of the nuclear weapons tampering being turned up? When did you know? Uh, are you aware of the other cases? And on and on. And the whole hearing now is in way out in front of its skis. So he cannot say, I know, even if he does know. But then there's the second position, which uh, you see all the time now. Luis Elizondo has probably done it 400 times in the last uh, couple of years. And that is uh, acknowledge that something, you're aware of it, but you cannot go, you can't get into it, right? I think Luis, he says, I can't really go there. Uh, can't do that. Now, in many cases, you can't. There's a lot of things that are classified. You get asked about that. You can say I'm aware, but I cannot go into it, uh, except in classified uh, 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 session. This is not one of them. Okay, this is the classic example of an unacknowledged special access program. Uh, you're in it, but you can't even admit that you're in it. You can't even acknowledge it exists. That's why, that's why they're used in our government. They're extremely effective. And the truth embargo relies on them. It's kind of like that. The question, Are you aware that our nuclear missiles were turned off at Maelstrom? If he says, uh, yeah, but I can't go into that except in classified section, boom. He's just acknowledged to the world that, yeah, the DU has been aware of it, and it's so important it's in classified, and he can only talk about it in that setting. This is way out in front of their skis. So he simply has to tell the truth and be embarrassed or lie and have to take the heat for that. So that's what took place there. But then- Something else happened. Gallagher immediately raises the issue of the Wilson Davis notes, which he says has been talked about and it's kind of controversial. Are you aware of that? Gray says no. Probably didn't. Wasn't aware of it, frankly. I think that's less likely that he would know about that. But the same. It's the same thing. Whether he knows or not, he has to say no. And then instantly Gallagher turns to his right and and says and holds up the. the the copy he has and and asked Carson, uh, I'd have permission to put this into the record without objection, instantly Carson says, no objection. He didn't even give time for anybody in in the room to object, right? Uh, Because that would be awkward, wouldn't it? What if one of those members like the hood objected? No, I don't want those in there. Why don't you want those in there? And so I think to avoid embarrassment, and they do this all the time, I think they agreed in advance, he's gonna submit this, it'll be without objection, nobody's gonna say a thing. Okay. So that happened. It was over very quickly. But guess what? The Wilson-David notes are back in play, baby, right? And they're already talking about – let me see. Who was – I saw this. Uh, let's just say that I think it's already kind of out there, but I can't pin down the sources right now, that maybe now it's time – well, that Davis would have to come before the committee at some point, some committee, and, and, and discuss it. It's in play. It's controversial. Uh, It has national security implications. So essentially, he just made Eric Davis a witness for a future hearing. Okay, fine. But he also put it back in play again, right? Non-trivial thing. And so those two things alone were basically a hint of what is to come, a little teaser, right, provided by Mike Gallagher. Now, interestingly enough, Brian Bender, the great reporter Politico, has been covering this issue along with lots of other national security stuff. He got in touch with – McCormick afterwards I'm not McCormick but Gallagher afterwards and he asked him about why he did that and here's what Gallagher told him he said well uh, I think you know we need to get these things uh, 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 dealt with so we can we can uh, resolve them you know I don't think that there's uh, aliens uh, uh, I think uh, you know dealing with our military bases but I think it's important to settle these matters okay now I thought that was interesting all right. And I actually emailed Brian about this, and here's what I said to him. I said, um, if, if, if I'm McCormick, I mean, if I'm Gallagher, the hell is McCormick, if I'm Gallagher, I did what I did, and now I'm talking to a reporter on the record, Right, that's a little different. What he did in a committee hearing, he did it, put it in the record, he, he didn't have to answer a question about what he thought. And so now he's talking to a reporter on the record. And I believe in order to cover himself a little bit, right, take a little pressure off, he, he, he doesn't come up and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been following that, uh, that mi- mi- nuclear missile tampering stuff for years. Those witnesses should have been given hearings 20 years ago. Now, he says, I, I'm just trying to resolve the issue. Now, that's Mike Gallagher, who's a pretty good guy and a righteous guy, having to play the game. There's going to be a lot of that. All right. Uh, so those, those are important. As far as the videos… Uh, the funny thing about the videos, first of all, they were deliberately not particularly impressive, right? They didn't want to bring up anything impressive because that gets into a whole area of questioning that, that they don't want to go to. It's not This is not the hearing for that. But they needed to bring something. They knew that. So they brought up the, the two that we all saw. And the interesting thing about that is while everybody is complaining about how you know, ridiculous they were and how trivial they were, and for most people, the vast majority of people, uh, they they were non-trivial, non-non-significant, or they weren't significant. But for someone who's been dealing with this issue for 26 years, and I think Richard probably may have seen the same thing, they were very important, you just didn't know unless you knew other stuff. Here's what I know that most of the people watching those videos didn't know. The first one about that thing that went by those jets at a million miles an hour, right? They, they, they're so fast. They could not, it took them forever just to get a frame on it, right? There it is, a little frame, okay? And so, yeah, kind of ridiculous.
0: They didn't know that how to use VLC. I, yeah. How do you come to a presentation and don't know how to use your software?
5: to yeah, be able to do, frame a by frame. Frame, you know, yeah. do a still
9: frame. You know, it was still frame and coming, But, you know, because they, they weren't preparing for anything profound. They're just kind of, it's a, it's a show, okay? But guess what? What most people don't know, I'm happy to tell them, is that that event, and there have been several like them, is when our jets have actually had these things screened by. And in some cases, they've been up, got a much better look at them than you saw there. And what that thing is, is a transparent sphere with a black cube in it. And the, and the reports are that the, it seems like the cube touches, the, the edge of the cube touches the, uh, the, the sphere. And it has no means of propulsion. Now, I'm going to say, frankly, that's a hell of a lot more exotic and interesting than the Tic Tacs. Mm -hmm. So that is actually a big deal. And recently, Ryan Graves has has been interviewing – Leto, rather, the uh, the podcaster, has been interviewing Ryan Graves, who's doing some fantastic work. Uh, He goes into a lengthy discussion with Leto about how they have seen these things in groups, four or five or six of these flying transparent spheres with cubes in them uh followed uh, in a kind of a V formation followed by a tic tac or gimbal type one behind him. So that little that video actually, if you, you you run it to ground completely is hugely significant. Now let's move on to the uh the, the the drones. This one is funny. So you you got all these drones flying around the ship and they've been seen, they've been up on the internet a number of times. And so he's showing that and he uh again he he, he, he decided to go a little proactive here. So he's talking about, well, we think these drones, uh, the light kind of, you know, it's infrared and then the light has to filter through the infrared camera and the effect of that is to make them kind of look like triangles. Okay, people are listening to that and they're going, oh, okay, they were just drones flying around the ship and they kind of look like triangles. Okay, not a big deal. Oh, no, 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 no. Be really clear now. Anything that gets near a U.S. warship at sea it's going to have a limited amount of time to get the hell out of there or be blown to kingdom come period. Okay. Whether it's a Cessna or a drone or a rubber boat, right. Or a kayak, right. That's what happens. And so the idea that all these drones are flying around one of our warships and we're taking films of them with the infrared camera, right. But we're not shooting at them. We're just letting them hang around until they leave. That's about the silliest, dumbest thing I've ever heard. And so, if you know enough, you know that in fact that's a significant event, that they are filming something in infrared that maybe can't be seen with the eye, that is around their ships and they don't know what it is, but they strongly suspect it's that extraterrestrial and I believe the standing protocol with our military for some time is you don't shoot at extraterrestrials. All right. So you see how things are not quite what they seem. But those two videos are still, oh, we there and they're in play and I'm talking about them right now, aren't I? So that's important. And then another thing that happened is this
3: – I love this.
9: Tim Burchette, who is not on the committee, but he's a good old boy, Tennessee Republican, right? a hell of a lot smarter than he sounds, I can tell you that. He recently took – has taken aggressive measures, and he's gone public with strong statements. But three or four days ago, he outdid himself. He was with Leland Vittert on the uh, News Nation program. It's a right-wing uh, uh, show, internet show. Uh, similar, similar to uh, uh, Fox, and so he's he's uh, you know Vittert is really getting into it. He's really excited. He's talking to him about this issue because Burchette had said a number of things, and so at, at some point Vittert, all excited, he says he says to Bruchette, he says, look, it's, I I, it's, I only see three possibilities here. Right? it's either our advanced technology, which we're out testing or something, and it's being seen. Or it's advanced technology of the Chinese or the Russians that are out there flying around near our ships and, 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 and being seen. Or it's uh, uh, extraterrestrial te- alien technologies from outside this planet. And before he could barely finish it, Burchette says it's number three. Well, guess what he just did there? A member of Congress did exactly the same thing but with a much smaller audience. Robert Bigelow did in May of 2017. Where Bigelow said twice, the extraterrestrials are here. There's the extraterrestrials here. Well, Burchette just said the same thing, because if it's number three, it's extraterrestrial. Case closed. And then Vitter goes on and talks to him. Okay, so that, that, that didn't get a lot of play, because News Nation is not exactly Fox news. news, and it's not, certainly not 60 Minutes. So what, what happens is that Burchette Burchett makes sure that he's in the audience for, the, for this hearing. There weren't a lot of people in that audience. Again, this is a subcommittee hearing, but he's in there, knowing that the reporters were going to seek him out. And they did, and so he's interviewing right there in the hearing room to the reporters, and he just tears into this thing, right it's ridiculous. we need to have witnesses here that that you know was, he's saying all the things that that were that were being said on the net in a sense, making it clear that this is not satisfactory. well, fine, it's one thing for somebody on on, on, on a podcast to say that he's a sitting member of Congress now I checked him out, and he's not on any committees that irrelevant to this issue. He's probably never going to to sit on a committee. Uh, But let me tell you, there's an awful lot of members in Congress right now who are sitting there wishing, by God, I wish I was on the Armed Services Committee or the Intel Committee or National Security based Committee. But I'm on the Agricultural Committee and the Trains and Planes Committee or whatever. I'm not going to be in one of those hearings, but man, I would like to be. And so Bruchette is essentially getting himself into the picture, right? He's putting himself in the frame. And he's, he's going to be leading this thing going forward because he has said the strongest statements to date of any member of Congress, including Rubio, Gillibrand, Walker, Warner, uh, Diego, uh, uh, Shaheen. He is he has gone further than any of them, and that and, and, and includes obviously uh, 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 Mike Gallagher. So I'm interested to see what Burchette has in store for us. So that took place after the hearing. So I hope people can see that – From my perspective this was a great opening move a lot of great things happened that we're going to be able to work with it's generating huge amounts of press what's not to like
0: okay steve uh we're coming into the break right now so uh barb um we'll come back and pick that up as soon as we come out of the break okay so you're listening to the other side of midnight uh steve bassett has joined us and uh daniel sheehan he's uh he had some things to do so he's uh gone But we're still having a great conversation, and we're giving Stephen a lot of uh, head uh, leeway here so he can get in a lot of stuff that he knows about. You're listening to The Other Side of Midnight, and we'll be right back.
10: Filter episodes by guest or subject. Membership costs, $9.95 a month, $0.33 a day. Listen while you travel, or as an environment for your endeavors. $0.08 an episode, two and a half cents per hour of content. The other side of midnight.com.
0: And welcome back to the other side of midnight. okay, we left off with um, I think Barb had uh, something to inject, and Stephen is really rolling. so Bob, yeah. go ahead.
4: yeah, um three kind of related questions actually um, for Steve bassett. Um, number one, you must be very very pleased um, like to comment on that. number two, we learned in the hearing. Um, to my surprise, but probably shouldn't have been, that the Navy will be the lead of the new organization that's directly under the Secretary of um, Defense. Um, if you could comment on uh, why that's important and why the Navy. Um, and do you have the Admiral Wilson uh, EW Notes memo? And if so, um, could you send it to Keith to post on the show?
0: Steve? You're muted, Steve. Unmute.
9: Very sorry, I always do that. Um, I don't have the Davis Wilson notes uh, uh, handy. I think they can be found on. The, I think they can be found on the internet. Uh, mm-hmm. If you do a strong search, I think you can find them. And I just haven't done that lately.
8: Um, so
9: I, uh, you know, give a shot at that. Uh, I just have a okay, feeling. Okay, well,
4: post let me ask. Have you read it?
9: I am. I'm a. Yeah, I, I read them most of them about uh, i don't know a couple of months, three four months ago i know the okay. basic stuff that's in there right well, and, okay and so forward.
4: so if, if is it a correct understanding from the hearing if i did i understand correctly that the gist of it is is that the head of the dia was denied access to the uap information i
9: don't know if that came up in the hearing it might have i don't know if, i don't i don't i don't know if uh mike gallagher said that but one of the many things that's in the uh, notes is the circumstance in which Wilson was uh, to, to go look for uh, or check in on some U.S.A.P.S. and couldn't get any information.
4: Oh, well, you mean Admiral Wilson himself?
9: Yeah. And so, uh, might son, sure I
8: got this right.
9: I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was Wilson. Uh, there's there's two there's two eyewitnesses to that. I mean, there's at least two witnesses that were actually went up to the hill, or went up to wherever, and met with Wilson and asked him to do this. Um, and so that that in the notes is correct. So,
4: what was Admiral yeah. Wilson's position when he was denied access?
9: It was high level. I know that.
4: Um, <laughs> I don't know. The, Navy, obviously, Navy.
9: Yeah, he, he had a high level position. No question. He he had substantial access. Right to uh, to the, the programs that, that they wanted him to check into, and he was told basically go pound sand. Now again, this is a guy high security clearance, high level, uh, and he doesn't want he doesn't want to be attached to this. So it did not shock me at all that when they got in touch with Wilson, he denied everything. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately for him, there were two witnesses that, that met with him to, to to set him off on that mission. Uh, but he's 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 decided uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay out of this. Uh, which puts a little pressure on Eric Davis, but Davis' decision was not to say anything. Right? Now, if those notes were not – he didn't take those notes. Remember, I mean, he, he, he took the notes. Does that mean that they're, they're right, meaning he might have written something down wrong? Uh, he could have made something up, though I doubt it. But if he didn't take those notes, if that was a hoax, there's no way he lets that go. Yeah. He denies it.
1: Well,
9: there, fact, was a,
4: there, was a, there was a reference to the head of the DIA, I thought, being denied access. Or was the head of the DIA one of these two witnesses?
9: Again, I'd have to, I, you know, you caught me in a sense. I'd, I'd have to review those notes. I could give you intelligent answers on this. Uh, okay. I, I, well, what we know is this. If everything in those notes is, in fact, what Wilson told him, it is a massive blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the kind of thing that would trigger hearings all in and of itself. So that explain, certainly explains why Wilson absolutely denies everything. Davis, as you know, was part of the uh, – uh, I mean not part of – but Davis has is, is been a significant figure and in, 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 in researcher in the government. Uh, but he's a researcher, and so he is at this point keeping uh, his distance but, but by not saying anything. However, without question, uh, it, it seems inevitable that he's going to be called up to the Hill to testify at one hearing or another along mm-hmm. with some others. About the Wilson Davis notes, in which case he'll tell the truth A lot of these people, by the way, that know things Their, their view is, I think, not inappropriate That, look, I, I don't want to be just throwing my stuff out there To some researcher or journalist that shows up uh, To be trashed and 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 uh, trolled and, 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 and picked apart I've got important things to say I'm going to say them in front of a congressional committee under oath uh, along with others. That makes a lot of sense. But of course, the researchers, they want it now and they picket people. And want, Would you come out? Would you come out? Uh, I don't blame them for waiting.
4: Okay. Uh, I understand. So
9: have I an- answered those three questions
4: for you? Um, well, that was the first question. The second question of the three was, um, can you comment on the uh, fact that it was revealed that the Navy will be the lead military ah. service of the new office?
9: i i i am sure i i kind of missed that uh but that was uh, very I'll, okay all right i missed it mm-hmm. uh well obviously you know that um uh one of the the people that are running the program is the deputy
4: uh, yeah bra' right. mm-hmm.
9: director of uh, naval intelligence right
4: yeah.
9: I, I can only say this we we there there is a story here which is interesting but we'll probably not learn it till after disclosure. But the story goes roughly like this. In the early days. And this phenomena is, of course, driving the government crazy and they're having to deal with it, organize, respond and what have you. They created MJ 12, which is basically a advisory panel to the president and obviously maybe did help set up management. So forth. totally makes sense. But in terms of what we'll call direct investigations of the issue, classified level. They went with the Navy so the navy was involved very early on possibly with the most uh, intimate aspects of dealing with this phenomena the uh, one theory i heard was that the reason they chose the navy is because it was most people would not necessarily think that the navy would be where it would be so they'd be looking in the wrong place they'd be looking at the air force all right Mm uh but the the deep secret stuff is going on over somewhere else so it's basically a uh, uh, a nice little diversion move makes sense. So the Navy's doing all the early research. Meanwhile, though, so they they do bring the Air Force in, don't they? In the form of the the those projects, particularly Blue Book. So while the Navy is probably under deep secret programs doing lots of research with respect to all things ET, UAP, what have you, that that needs to be done, the Air Force is handed the job of essentially going to an elaborate quote, investigation of the phenomena that was bogus. In other yes. words, the Air Force was used uh, as, a, as a screen, a cover. Uh, so everybody's densely focused on the Air Force because it's doing actually looking at sightings and it hired Alan Heinick and they're going and re- doing reports. And wow, meanwhile, the Navy is completely ignored. Of course, their end result is, is that the, the Blue Book will be one of the biggest, probably the biggest black eye on the Air Force of all time. Uh, and then, right, which, and since which then, the
4: Navy avoided the black eye too. The Navy avoided the black eye.
9: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they they, you know, they, they got a free ride. The Air Force takes all the hits, and then um, and and for that reason, the Air Force after Blue Book basically just basically disappeared. And as you go back year after year after year, nothing from the Air Force, and, and even nothing from the Air Force since the Nimitz event was made public, fully public in '17. Yeah. And the reason I think for this is that their history is so bad uh, that they 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 know that if they get into this, and they could easily do that, they have planes with cameras too, you know, that if they get into this, it's just going to draw a lot of attention and bring all that stuff up. And so they're just staying out of it. It looks bad. It looks awkward, but uh, it's probably the right decision. And they're letting they the, the, they're letting the Navy, Navy get the glory. And so almost all of the pilot witnesses are Navy pilots.
1: Right.
9: Now, one of the reasons that might be not unreasonable is that the Navy is out at sea <laughs> and uh, the ocean is, is wide. Uh, and so you can imagine ETs might fly a lot of stuff out there and, and, and because it's much less likely to be seen. And so the Navy does uh, have a chance to see them in ways, plus perfectly black skies, all that well, kind of one stuff. One of the
4: things that was very explicit in the hearing, um, you probably caught this or already knew it, uh, is that both of the videos that were shown, one on, out, off the East Coast, one off the West Coast, they mm-hmm. said, and they were both in Navy training areas.
9: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yes. This is, this is a, a, an interesting point. Uh, it's hard to believe that, well, the drones, you know, those things that are being called, quote, drones flying around our ships, uh, the number of uh, craft that were in the vicinity of the uh, training session, uh, by the uh, uh, carrier group, I it's hard for me to think that well they just have the carrier group was in the right place at the right time. I I, I think they were that was a bit of an escalation there. I, the, the, I think the ETs know that when they're seen by Air Force or Navy or civilians, this stimulates the situation on the ground, stirs it up, raises a. How can
4: you be sure that they that they weren't referring to? Man-made drones. I mean, I, I'm, re- I'm reminded of the unmarked black helicopters that are sometimes um, reported uh, in connection with so-called UFO or UAP experiences. Um, it wasn't clear to me that they weren't referring to man-made drones.
9: Which, which film are you talking about? Which, which instance? Um,
4: in one of the two uh, instances. The two in the videos? In, it, one of the two videos. They Yeah, they,
9: yeah the infrared. Yes. Here's, the, here's, here's the reason. Okay. First, again, uh, the, these ships are these ships are out of sea. So I- the idea that some college kids have gotten some drones and got into a motorboat and somehow caught up with a Navy ship and flew some drones around them, that's ridiculous. Okay. Second no, no, possibility. Nobody's proposing
4: that. They, they, what, no? be, nobody's proposing that. The, no, no. this possibility that they would be Navy drones or Air Force drones or CIA drones. Or, you know? Well,
9: you know that, but I'm talking about the general public. I'm trying to dispel the drone thing. Okay, so that's one thing that's ridiculous. The second thing is that uh, they were flying them. They were flying them. The ship was flying them and filming them, but somehow uh, allowed it to get out that this was not them, and, and somehow some third-party situation, that's ridiculous. Uh, the possibility, there is another possibility that these are uh, drones from, say, Chinese, one of our adversaries that would have the guts to fly drones near our ships. That is something that's not so easily dispelled. You could see that happening, except for one thing. There is no way a Navy warship is going to allow drones, if that's what they were, flying around their warship on. Uh, uh addressed
4: no i, I understand it will that.
9: shoot them down clearly there's no, there's no, no but,
4: but i think you have to at least open your mind to the possibility that this was a you know red team blue team exercise now, I that be- no, no i think that's no no
9: i there's there's lots of possibilities i only open my mind if it's if it's worth it if it's got enough percentages behind it otherwise i'm wasting my time
1: well, the idea you that this way- is a blue
9: team yeah. red team thing that gets out not, 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 not addressed, not countermounted by the DOD, embarrassing everybody. I the odds of that are maybe one in ten thousand.
4: Well, so, that's, that's
9: not a, it's not zero. It's not zero, but can, we can't. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta focus. Uh, I mean, no, the government over the years has, has wanted us to go off on every tangent possible. Uh, something happens, establish a hundred possibilities, and investigate them all. As long as you don't deal with us, don't bother us. Okay. Well,
4: yeah, the Steve. This was this was the wording that was used by the witnesses. They referred to them as a swarm of drones in the vicinity of the UAP.
8: Mhm. Yeah. Again, so if so they if are
9: drones, r- I'm not saying they're not drones. I'm saying if they are drones, they are not human drones. That is they're your interpretation.
4: Yeah, that's your interpretation. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
9: I feel a little comfortable with that.
4: Okay. My last question is okay. um, in my items. Um, for this show, when I was on with Danny and he had to leave, um, I highly recommend the book by Robert Hastings, UFOs and Nukes: Extraordinary Encounters at Nuclear Weapon Sites. Do you also recommend the book? And are there other books on this subject?
9: I have many times. Uh, I think that is the most important book possibly written on the subject ever, going all too. the way back to Ruppelt.
4: I do too. Mm. So everybody uh, should go out and get it. Yep. yep.
9: And all, they also made a documentary. Uh, yeah, oh, like it's
4: a that. great documentary. They've Actually, done everything me,
9: they can to get this issue. Let me let Congress. people
4: know where they can watch the hour-long documentary based upon the book. It's mind blowing. You gotta watch it. I meant to put it up. I'll send it to Keith to add to my items. It is called UFOs and Nukes, The Secret Link Revealed, The Documentary Film. And this is the this is the link. I'll repeat it twice. It's free. www.vimeo.vimeo.com forward slash on demand forward slash ufos and nukes so that's vimeo.com forward slash on demand forward slash ufos that's plural ufos and nukes you got to watch it
9: yeah uh
3: i have on my excuse, desk me, excuse me kids can i can i uh drop in a Word for uh, yeah, I'm
4: done. I'm Steven. In. Thank you. Thank you oh me. no,
3: you don't have to be done, Barbara. I'm just saying I, I wanted to put in a word of support for him on his reticence about the drones. Because, to the best of my knowledge, and there's some there, uh, it they don't use drones like that. I mean, us. That's not the way they. That's not the way that works. They've got better instrumentation for nearby the ship than anything the drone could provide them, and they're a separate thing. They don't want to but run he, them into the planes or he, something. It's just not going to happen.
4: Why did the witnesses refer to them as a swarm of drones?
3: Because they were a swarm of drones. They just weren't our drones, but they weren't the Chinese either. He's perfectly right. You wouldn't let any of that – you'd know if there was anything foreign around there. If
0: somebody standing on the deck could see them, then – Well, it's
4: highly secured airspace.
0: They think, yeah. it's, they think they're drones because they're making maneuvers where the rapid turns would kill a pilot. They think these things are unmanned, but they're not. Yeah,
9: the fact yeah. is, they, they, that's what it seemed like. That's what it resembled to them, and so they call them drones. That's fine. That doesn't mean they sure. were drones. We don't know what they were, but I'll, I'll tell you something else. Well, they, they weren't, weren't seagulls. Yeah. Yeah. If, if film of if, if, when film comes out uh, of that kind of activity around a warship that was not addressed, meaning they don't take you know the necessary action. Commander of that warship is—he loses his command, probably even court-martial. I mean, it's that simple.
4: Right. But by yeah. the way, Steve, was that yeah. was that warship or that class? By the way, I, I was a senior military affairs journalist at the Naval Postgraduate School for almost two decades, so I know Ooh, a lot. Of
1: okay, that.
9: all right, I didn't know uh, that.
4: And um, so my question is, uh, was that warship or class of warships? Whether that particular one specifically was. Um, is it uh, ICBM-capable?
9: Based on what I recall seeing and reading, no. No, it wasn't that. But it is notable that uh, we have a lot of sightings from uh, craft that are, co- are based on uh, nuclear carriers. And uh, yeah. we know that the ETs have a certain uh, interest in our nuclear capabilities. So that may be another reason why the uh, the uh, navy seems to get a lot of action
4: yeah because they do have uh, their you know they do have their nuclear uh missiles on lordship
9: yeah, i don't well they're nuclear run carriers whether they're carrying nuclear weapons is obviously highly classified and i don't know if they would be doing that during a, a, a training exercise
4: no not during a training exercise but that's why i asked about that class yeah. ship yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah no. They'd be torpedoes though, but not and not ICBMs.
1: You yeah, And I
3: doubt carriers. even nuclear
9: torpedoes
1: This this is
9: yeah, you don't you don't you don't arm ships or any planes with nuclear weapons uh unless there is a very good reason.
4: Well, you uh, do submarines. That's our sea triad.
9: Well, the nuclear subs uh, uh yes, uh they're attack subs. Uh, but uh, the more nuclear weapons you got out on various crafts, the, the, the more there's a risk that something could go yeah, wrong. Yeah, the
4: sitting duck, yeah, on the surface.
9: You don't want to do that. Um, now I'm going to jump back to something I did earlier, which which I talked about in the previous show. I did. Uh, I'm asked a lot about how the truth embargo managed to last as long as it did, and how is it possible that uh, this didn't get out sooner and all that. And uh, in my discussions about this issue, uh, it, something came up, which uh, I recently kind of thought about and said, oh, yeah, this is, this is worth talking about. All right, here, here's, here's, the, uh, here's the deal. In May of 2017, Bob Bigelow, a billionaire, space guy, uh, somewhat known, not famous, nothing like Musk, uh, does get interviewed uh, by uh, 60 Minutes and Laura Logan about – his face work but they they knew he had interest in the subject they asked him about the et issue and bob said twice on that show in front of millions of people watching that the actually there's extraterrestrials here all right, all right. Didn't, didn't generate much press not really I, I i log in all the mainstream press on my site at paradigmresearchgroup.org under resources so no big deal and then some months go by June and July and August September and October in October TTSA comes out which got some people's attention raised some eyebrows it's fine and then December 7th, 16th of 2017 and 17, 2000, and, two, and December 17th first in online then in the paper the next day are the articles that we all know so well about OSAP, ATip, Melizondo, Reed, the research that was going on and so forth. Wow. Okay, that's a big deal. And very quickly, we learned that a lot of the money that was put into the offset program uh, went to Bigelow. He was he was given the bid to do a lot of that research. How much we don't know. Probably the majority. I don't think all the 22 million went to him, but he got they got paid. Uh, it was a logical choice. He was the one that introduced some of the issues to them because of his work with NIDs on the on the skinwalker rat. So it's all, it's all basic, no problem. And so the, the, it c- gets out in these papers. The New York Times, Bob Bigelow uh, was part of the ASOP program uh, and and this research. And he might have and, – and, and it supposedly was given some materials to analyze, which he set up a lab at, 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 uh, at
3: Bigelow Aerospace.
9: Okay, fine. And then I thought, wait a minute. Let's think about this for a second. The guy goes on 60 Minutes and says there's extraterrestrials here. And then seven months later, it's learned that he was involved in a research project regarding UAPs that, that was uh, based at the Pentagon, funded by money from Harry Reid. You would think that the New York Times and the Washington Post and the Boston Globe and a lot of those papers at CNN and MSNBC would connect that together, right? Meaning, wait a minute, that guy said there's extraterrestrials here, he was involved in a program set up by Reed and was getting money from the Department of Defense. Maybe we should really give that statement he made back in May some serious thought. Do you think they did that? No, they did not. They didn't make that connection. They didn't connect those dots. And I thought about that some more, and I said, yeah, that's the way it works. In other words, we, we're in the business of reporting what's going on now. We write it up. We no longer really dig deep and investigate anymore, but we write it up. We put out reasonable articles and so forth. We're doing our job. You know, we don't have time to go back seven months and look at something you know, that far back and try to compare and We can't connect dots that deep, right? And the news talk shows host that got involved in this and interviewed people, you know, you can't. I mean, what what are they making? They make, yeah, minimum, I think they make two to three million. Some of them are making nine million. I know one of the talk show hosts is making 35 million a year. I mean, you know, for that kind of money, you don't expect them to have to go back and make a connection like that and put it together. No. And so it wasn't. And the media just moved on. And Bigelow eventually just kind of fades out. Aerospace closed down. He shifts into some other, other areas, particularly conscious life after death. Reed died. And it's all just history now. Man. That's how truth embargoes get sustained, right? If, if The press is doing a fantastic job now, but they still are way far from doing the right job. And so not making that connection, they do that all the time, right? They just won't go back in the past, put two things together and say, we need to look into this. I'm telling you, if the Washington Post had operated that during the Nixon-Watergate scandal, I'm telling you, Nixon would have probably ended up at the full term, gotten the Nobel Peace Prize. And uh billions of dollars in, in, in uh after after administration job. Uh but they didn't. They connected the dots and they went in there and they investigated. Well that that's disappeared to a large degree. And on the E T issue it's non existent. So they still haven't much to answer for. Uh, I hope they get to the carry before Bigelow do, dies.
4: Do we know why Bigelow left the uh the field of UAP?
9: Well, he just got tired of it. I mean he, he uh, Reed was dying. Uh, his aerospace program was his aerospace, Bigelow Aerospace was basically shut down. It's mm-hmm. not clear to what extent that was his decision or whether there just wasn't any business or because he, you know, he spoke out about this issue that, 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 that NASA had had enough. Who knows? So but,
4: the materials? Where did the unusual materials um, that he had at, at his Bigelow hangar go?
9: We don't know. I will assume they went back to the uh, DOD.
4: Mm-hmm. But we
9: don't know.
3: His focus was on those habitats that he was, uh, yeah, <coughs> financing,
9: and that, yeah, that just didn't fly. It's a perfectly good idea. No, it we did fly. Have... It absolutely did fly. Yeah. It was tested, it tested great, and and mm-hmm. since then, guess what? That that contract has been given to another company. Yeah, they that's want those habitats. To yeah. Bigelow yeah. crossed the line when he went on 60 Minutes, yeah. and I think maybe that sealed the fate of Bigelow Aerospace. Now he's a rich man, but he's also old. And, you know, he's been at this, he knows this, you know, I don't blame him. Like, screw it all, right? You guys will have your hearings when you have your hearings, and this will come out. And then he got into, he he has other interests that he got involved uh, in looking in in deep into the issue of uh, life after death and consciousness, which I'm sure is probably more stimulating than beating the dead horse of this truth embargo.
4: And by Uh, the way, I'll I'll just end with this comment. Uh, You weren't here for the first part of the program, but I opened my part of the program on reminding people about Whitley Strieber's most recent book, uh, on the link between all of this and near death experiences.
1: Mm. Uh, Stryber.
4: Whitley Strieber. Whitley Strieber. Okay. Yeah.
9: I, I get it wrong all the time too. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
9: Yeah. He's, he's getting, he, he's, he's a brilliant guy and he's in all kinds of areas and he, he he's going to find an intellectual aspect of this that others won't. Um, so hopefully that'll be. it yeah, that could be very interesting, and uh, uh, we'll see.
3: Uh, you, know, Bigelow, you know, Bigelow financed uh, Dreamland. He convinced Art to uh, do a show specifically on those kind of topics, and yep. it, it ran commercial free for what a couple of years.
9: Yeah, it was the end of kind of the end of Art's reign, and and uh, yeah, you know, he's, he's done a lot of things. I mean, he, there's a lot of things he's done we don't even know about. He is a hero in all of this. Uh, it hasn't worked out probably the way he would have liked uh, didn't work out The way a lot of people would have liked Whether it was Rockefeller or Clinton or whatever uh, it's, it's a tough uh, Guys
0: uh, yes. We're going to have to pick this up on another show Because uh, we're out of time well, uh, Great to have you guys on uh, You're listening to The Other Side of Midnight Stephen Bassett Barbara Honiger uh, Daniel Sheehan and my co-host Ron Gerbon and we'll be back next to uh, the next not next week uh, tomorrow uh, with a second part of this so stick around